In order to show you how a big symphony orchestra is put together, Benjamin Britten has written a big piece of music, which is made up of smaller pieces that show you all the separate parts of the orchestra. These smaller pieces are called variations, which means different ways of playing the same tune. First of all, he lets us hear the tune, or the theme, which is a beautiful melody by the much older British composer, Henry Purcell. Here is Purcell's theme, played by the whole orchestra together. why we just did that i feel it's only some sort of editing magic is gonna happen so did you, i hope I, y'all enjoyed it if you, I, it's, it's gonna be a moonrise kingdom joke oh uh. which is super relevant to me having uh, seen moonrise kingdom you know because it is, it is super relevant because it's a brand new movie that's only been out for two weeks in three theaters in the entire country <laughs> so uh whoever else was in that screening on tuesday in portland with me uh those three people and like four people in san francisco new york will get this joke yes anyway, anyway. Hi, friends. How you doing? I'm Annie. Hi. Wait, are you Annie? I am. I'm Annie. I'm Bill. That's Bill. How you doing? This is the Boy Howdy Podcast. Uh, for what's today's date? I have no guy. Oh, it was the summer solstice yesterday. It you was. know, I totally missed out on the fact that it was longest day of the year yesterday. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. No, yes. yesterday was the 21st. That was the whole documented thing. And I think today is midsummer, technically, if you're in the UK. I think, is, is midsummer one day or is it a couple days? I always forget. You are asking the wrong person. Man, so there's like this guy, well, I, I saw Moonrise Kingdom, and there's a lot of music by this guy named Britton in, mm-hmm. the, in the soundtrack, and it's a good soundtrack. Yeah. And I guess he wrote this whole thing about Midsummer's Night's Dream, the whole opera, and it's really pretty, mm. so I found some of it, and I've been listening to that for the last couple of days. And it's funny that, like, I just happened to be listening to this, like, the day before Midsummer, you know, because it's Eve, and you're... I'm just saying. You are just saying. I, I'm, I'm not saying. I'm, I'm, just I'm, saying. A, I'm, a, I'm a smart motherfucker. I know That's what right. Midsummer's Night's Dream. Do you care about Midsummer's Night's Dream? you're my little puck. Hey, I am right. an ass. That's He's right. the guy with the, with the head, right? No. Wait, who's the guy with the head? Is that Bottom? Yes. Oh, okay. What the hell does Puck do? Puck is what's his fuck. There's a character named Wall. Because I remember, because like back in high school, when we all had to read the entirety of Mid- uh, Midsummer's Night's Dream. No. One kid got stuck having to read the wall, role of Walt. No, this, this is a person no, Bill, who had... Stop. Bill, stop. What? We put on a play within the play, and there's a character who plays the wall. Oh, anyway, the wall has dialogue. I like that that's what you remember. Yeah, there's a character named Wall. Silly. The wall. And he was all in the Sandman. Uh, and the, the, in, in sh- the, the Shakespeare had to write a story for Sandman. And he said, here's your story. It all looks like a Charles Vest comic. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't even know what joke you're making anymore. <laughs> Did you, you never read Sandman? <laughs> We've talked about this. Comics. We've There's talked a whole about this issue about a Midsummer's Night's Dream, which is actually very cute. Yeah. Uh, Morpheus the Dream Lord commissions uh, Shakespeare to write a play for him. You that guys, play you guys on the internet can't see how hard I just rolled my eyes. <laughs> 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 We're talking about literature. It's about me talking uh, about fart bubbles. You know what was the thing about literature that what? I discovered this week? What? I have never... Um, I hate you a so friend much. Of mine, I hate you. It's mutual. A friend of mine sent me a link. I can't remember why, but have you seen this sassy gay friend? This thing, what? With this YouTube thing. No. So it's, I refuse to see this. It's a Second City sketch sort of thing. Oh, from back in the day. Well, it's from like four years ago. Oh, I forgot Second City is not just SCTV, but it's yeah. no, yeah. But anyway, no, it's a, it's a basically the thesis of these sketches, and some of them devolve into blatant merchandising, which is annoying. But the thesis of these sketches uh. is how these characters in Shakespeare's plays would have lived such better lives had they had a sassy gay friend. And the best one was Ophelia, <laughs> and he's she's like, 
you know, Hamlet's being an asshole. And he's like, and we kill ourselves. What's wrong with you? Here's what you're going to do. You're going to write a sad poem and move on. It's beautiful. It made me happy. Anyway, internet, that's about the thing I saw. You, I laughed it you on YouTube. You like Shakespeare. You were a theater kid back in the day. That's why I have a very low tolerance for Shakespeare. Did Are you, you see kidding? Rob Bill, Marshall is directing Bill, Into the Bill, Woods? Bill, I was a tech there's Does a that matter? Yes. You hated building that bottom head for that monkey donkey. I, <laughs> monkey donkey. The difference is, the is that I roll my eyes real hard at people who feel. What kind of tech stuff did you do? I was um I did was a stage manager and I'd done some props. Oh, you were the stage manager. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I was I was stage manager for a show, and then I ran I did props and then I ran props and then I was also a set runner, and a builder. I did. Shit. But this is for a Texas school, so it was all like. St- Twigs and shit. That's correct. Tumbleweeds. Oh. All tumbleweeds. And look, well, who's Snoopy's cousin? <laughs> what is Spike? Spike. Yes, Bill. I just picture, Spike was my teacher. You're just, you're just hanging out with Spike with a bunch of tumbleweeds and cactus trying That's to put right. on display in the desert. That's pretty much it. Oh anyway. my god. What? How was your week? It was what good. week? What happened? Is a oh man's almost July? Yeah, man. It's gonna be 1776 in a week and a half. <laughs> do, 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 do. That's right. I don't remember any music from 1776. I'm trying to remember. We're multicultural because we're talking about Shakespeare, and now we're talking about musical theater. That's it's right. American, yeah. That's right. Fuck you from England. 1776 is the first DVD I ever bought. Did you leave it here? I think Dylan. I have someone's copy. copy. I might There's have an excellent yours. chance that it's my copy of 1776. It was the first DVD I ever bought in my with my money. It was I bought, the first bought DVD it at, left at someone else's house. Yeah, that's not Aww. true. That's a great. Oh, yeah. First DVD I ever bought was Jaws and Fight Club. Yeah. I bought two DVDs the same day. 1776 is one of those things where the first time I saw it, I thought it was bullshit. 1776 and... is ridiculous. But the thing is, is that once you drink the Kool-Aid of yeah. 1776, everyone I know who has seen it, the first they go, that's crap. And then they've watched it eight times and they're obsessed with 1776, it. 1776, for people don't know, it's musical written by, wasn't a high school teacher? Yeah. History teacher. His name's like Stephen Ambrose. Who in the, was it the early 70s or late 60s, he decided, fuck it, I'm just going to write a play about the signing of the Declaration of Independence. But it is in fact a musical. It is a hilarious, it's really, it's really funny. Yeah. It, it sounds like it'd be stuffy and bullshit, like yeah. a musical about the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Oh, it's so And it good. is like three hours long. The songs are great. But it, it has Mr. Catchy. Feeny from Boy Meets World as John Adams. It's cynical yet kind of hopeful at the same yeah. time. It's just really yeah. weird kind of like it's not like super, I don't know. It strikes a great balance of Annie scratching her eye. Are you okay? Are I you allergic to me? I have so. All, all week I was trying to remember a line in 1776 where John Adams is talking about Thomas Jefferson and uh, that some, big red-haired tombstone. That's right. He's talking about how how the language in they're talking about how the language in this the turns of phrase are great. And he says, "What do you say? Has a remarkable felicity for God damn it elocution." Something like that. Something like that, yeah. And it's great because he's obviously making fun. And so when he's trying to get him to, to actually write the uh, declaration. Yes. Oh, yeah. that's it. He's like, this is why you should write it. You have a yeah. remarkable felicity Mr. for... Mr. A. Anyway, everyone, take my word for it. Go, if you like musicals at all or history at all, you should go watch 1776 and just trust me, watch it again and you the like it. It's the version of 1776 that's known, like recorded, that's... It's just the 1970s movie, Well, there's a movie. It is a Stage it's play. got Knight Rider singing. It's a guy who played Knight Rider back in the eighties. A remarkable felicity of expression. That's yeah, that, I don't know why I thought it was elocution. That's fucking hilarious. Fucking, I'm burping and shit. Did I get drunk before you showed up? How you doing? How hey you everybody, doing? this is the Boy Howdy Podcast. Where How Andy you doing? Google things and build belches. 
What else? Um, what else? <laughs> Tell me. This is the part of the Boy Howdy podcast where Bill just grills me <laughs> about my week. What new? <laughs> Tell me. I um. So one Tell of my me with knowledge. One of my favorite web comics artists online is this great badass lady named Chris Dresden. Chris Dresden. Oh no, what she do? She well, no, she she does good stuff. Yeah. That's my point. I've always loved Chris Dresden. If you ever want to see um, a pretty lady standing around birch trees, go find yourself. I was some about Chris to say Dresden. she was on Twitter yesterday, and she was flipping out about how she just happened to walk past a thing of birch trees. Well, she retweeted somebody else. Oh, she's excited secondhand. Anyway, Chris birch Dresden, trees are nice. Chris Dresden does really great kind of. They're nature's Tim Burton. That's correct. Chris Dresden does great kind of quiet, very sweet comics, usually about ladies who like other ladies. But uh, I always have loved her stuff, and she um, just finished, um, she just released one of my favorite of her online comics as a book. Um, she had a great online comic called um, She Said, and uh, she just released them all on Lulu, and I, I got yeah got it as an excuse, or used it as an excuse to pick up a bunch of her books, so I picked up Grace, and I picked up She Said, I think it's She Said, not, yes. Uh, anyway, moral story is really good. Everybody go by. She said you can also read it online um, at uh, chrisdresencomics.com. Wait, what did you just say? I got. I was typing. Bill was distracted. She said is great because it's a romance about these two ladies. It's basically about the arc of their entire relationship. Oh, really? How they meet and their relationship and how they drift apart until out of, finally I've, they. I've fallen out of reading web comics lately. Otherwise, I would like. I know well, Chris Dresden. Like, I love her work. This but is like this. two years ago. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> It's been like Recently. five years since I've read web comics. Anyway, I'm she just saying. Said, she said it's really, really good. I really, really like it, and it's even better as book. I bought an iPad, and you think that would be all about like, hey, Bill, you should read some fucking web comics on this thing. It's a, it's a goddamn computer you fall asleep with in bed. <laughs> and no, I'm reading shit on the AV Club rather than reading web comics these yeah. days. I don't know why it's just something kind of broke. Well, me and comics have always been have kind say, of tumultuous you are not, relationship. I was going to say, you are not a comics fan. Yeah. I mean, I like comics. Well, you do, but Adventure you're not Time a number five fan. came out this week. I love that show that happens to be a comic book. See, I love comics. I, know. I love, love, love comics. You could not read another comic for the rest of your life. Ew. You could. Some for someone who's working on a comic right now, that's a terrible <laughs> thing to say, but that's entirely true. Exactly, yeah. yeah. If I if I had to like give up if I had to decide between like movies, video games, or comics, comics, boing, you're off the fucking boat. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. I don't think anyone should have to make Go that home and get your fucking shine box. I Did you think... see Goodfellas? That was funny. If you saw Goodfellas, you made me watch Goodfellas. Did we watch Bill, the whole I, thing? Yes. See, this is what I love about Bill. <laughs> Bill and I have been friends for close to a decade now. Yeah. And Wait, it's did... not over a decade now. And you can barely remember anything that we have ever done or Why said. Why did you agree to watch Goodfellas? Because that's not the kind of movie you're. No, it's enjoy. not. You browbeat me until I watched it. Oh and God. actually, I did kind of. Like it's it. a good movie, but yeah. it's not. You have to be in the right mood yeah. for like sadness. Also, unfortunately, it's one well, of those movies. It's also Scorsese. Maybe like, we were flipping out about Gangs in New York, and I was like, if you like Scorsese, you've got to watch this. No, that wasn't it at all. No, you just browbeat me until I watched it. <laughs> also, the Bill um, and Annie story. Uh, Goodfellas is one of those movies, kind of like Citizen Kane, or like It's a Wonderful Life. Or it's hard to watch it after having lived in pop culture because yeah. half the movie has been alluded to so frequently that you're not seeing it with fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. You're incapable of uh, of accepting, like processing the original source without having it through the lens of pop culture. Yeah. 
So I think that's why it ultimately didn't quite hit me between the eyes the way it hit you between the eyes. I also saw that when I was a kid. So I was like, yeah. I spoke like, oh my God. My only reference for gangster movies when I was a kid was kind of like The Godfather. And then How did you watch Goodfellas when you were a kid? It was on like HBO. <laughs> I watched a lot of HBO as a kid. Man, HBO was the shit. Oh, uh, well, you gotta. I am older than you, so it's not like I was. What do you mean? Like, I, that's because I'm ten years older See, than my you. Parents, that's how I no, watched Goodfellas through, as a kid. As a kid, though, is a thing yeah. because my parents were super. They totally were like really, really careful about what I watched and very my, cognizant. My, of it. It's not like my, it's not like I was a total latchkey kid. My my parents didn't give a shit. I went to go see yeah. Aliens when I was eleven in the theater. And my parents took me to my a midnight screen. Never do that. Ever, yeah. Ever, ever. And they were like, well, to be fair, I would have never, ever, ever asked. My dad was like, at, when Aliens was over, he's like, one of, these, one of these days someone's gonna make a terrible movie called Prometheus and your friend Annie's gonna like a, it a lot. go fuck yourself. <laughs> B, this incense, do not, put, take this away from me. This is giving me a headache already. Oh, really? I'll yeah. put it up. It's okay it's, when it's like half a room away. Don't put it three feet away from me. I, I like to pretend I'm living in an opium den. I recently got the den. art book, The Art of Prometheus. Yeah, how is that? Jesus Christ. Every time, you know what? I love that movie more and more because every time I learn something in that oh, movie is practical. Is, yeah. Jesus Christ. Well, when, all the sets were practical, right? All the sets were practical. The engineers were practical. Goddamn, the seat where they're cutting into her stomach, half of that is practical. Like, the bulk of that is practical. Oh, yeah, the fact that, like, whatever little CG they used for her, like, stomach replacement stuff, yeah. for that, that, fuck, man. It's like the amount well, of the entire interior building. of the Prometheus oh, was all, Oh, goddamn, yeah. just looking at that book and just, like... Man, I saw the viral thing they did of David. Like, I didn't see this, any of the... Oh, Because I was not that? trying to, I was not paying attention to any of the uh, Prometheus advertisement before that. the movie came out. I, I, so I still do not like Prometheus as a film, but I love the stuff that was put in it. That, David... Prometheus, Happy Birthday, David short. That was so that good. That was super well done. Yeah. Yeah, the, technically. It, it, like, the components of Prometheus are fantastic. I, I just don't like how it all you don't like kind it. of That's agree fine. together. I'm just saying, I want to just lay out that movie and just roll around in it. Man! Cover it my. So the art book was pretty good, head. though? It's great. Was it mostly photos, then? It wasn't just, like, it's actual mix. production art? It's okay. a mix. Like, there's some concept art. There's a lot of um, Ridley Scott's adorably shitty storyboards. They're good for a motion picture director. Yeah. He's a good artist. Oh, yeah. Oh, just, he also a storyboard. Really exactly. Yeah, exactly. They're thumbnails. He has to write three, th- he has to draw 3,000 He had some them. great sketches, man. You see some of the production art for uh, uh, Blade Runner, and he, the, a lot of what Blade Runner looked like just mm-hmm. came from him just on a whim just saying, uh, production designer, I want Deckard's apartment to look like this, and yeah. they, they kind of just made it look like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Man, it's did you know book. he almost uh, designed the Daleks back in the day for Doctor Who? I vaguely Who? did know that. There was something about like, cause like Ridley Scott, he's an old guy. He's like seventy years old now. So yeah. he like he got his start like in the like the fifties and sixties in uh, working for the BBC. And one of his first jobs for the BBC, they're like, we got this goddamn brand new show called Doctor Who. There's these monsters called the Daleks. We want you to design them. He's like, man, that sounds like bullshit. I'm doing something else. You go get someone else to do it. And the other person that he recommended turned out to be the guy who actually designed the Daleks for Doctor Who. So. Burr, 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 burr. Well, yeah. It's almost as good as like the pianist for um the theme song to um uh, Peter Gunn theme. What? Was John Williams. Oh, was it? Yeah. How did I not know that? How's how you know Mark Russell not telling me that? How'd you You spent enough of your life masturbating to John Williams. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think John Williams also played like on the Gilligan's Island theme. Because like before he was a composer, <laughs> he's a musician, so yeah. I think he did a lot of uh Ricky Dink shit. Yep. So you didn't do anything this week. I wa- well, I finished the first season of The Good Wife. I've talked about The Good Wife at length. As long as we don't have to explain to everybody it's, what The Good Wife is. It's really good, wife. Everyone should watch it. <laughs> it's the really good What's well, the joke? Every time, because my, my wife and I, we watch that show, I'm just like, Jesus Christ, this show is so good. And Flo just goes, wife. 
Like, I can't the second believe... season, the eh, life. Well, we haven't... Well, the thing is, is that we got... We're like, okay, woo, let's go watch the Who second the season. Who is the good wife? What? Who is the good wife? It's, uh... You're talking to someone whenever I watch Cheers, I'm always upset as the kids, they never say it's who, the who's, lady from who's ER. getting cheered. It's the protagonist. Oh, Juliana Margolis? Cheers is what you say when you drink, motherfucker. But to who in particular? To everyone else in the bar. It's vague. <laughs> You. Like wings? Okay, the first five minutes of The Good Wife, it's clear who The Good Wife is. Oh, okay, okay, I'm just okay. saying. At least Frasier, you know who Frasier is. What I love about this show, The Good Wife, is this character, Kalinda. It's actually really interesting. So this char- there's this character, we've t- I've talked about her briefly. She's uh-huh. the lady who was in um, Ben and Lake Beckham. She's the investigator. That's not Keira Knightley. That's right. She's the investigator for this law firm. And what's great is that she hits all the archetypes of your downtrodden, cynical, private dick. Mm-hmm. You know, because most private dicks in most uh, in most genre things, they have like an innocent they're protecting somehow. Like yeah. there's something. No, that's, yeah. You know, it's like, and but in in this show, it's this character, this good wife character. Like, oh, really? Protagonist, like she, you can the, the 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 detective, the investigator lady, Kalinda. She's clearly trying to keep. It's not that the protagonist is pure or innocent. She just tries very very hard, despite all the corruption and unhappiness in her life, to be a good person. Oh, okay. And you can see this character, Kalinda's really trying to protect that even as she at moments thinks she's cynical or like she's stupid and naive it's also really interesting to see that character as a woman and a woman who's not afraid to use sex sex to get what she wants mm-hmm. either way like she's seduced she's seduced men she's seduced a woman like she it's not really clear it, she, for all intents and purposes her character could be asexual yeah because sex is just some a tool that she uses to get what she needs is it kind of set up one of those things that she's gonna have to like warm up to the idea that like sex she could, could be for herself she's not gonna be so cold and clinical she is very that seems much like an so... obvious story arc for somebody but like sex doesn't have to be told until you find the right man no it's a i think she's well i'm sure apparently later in the show they oh she dikes out bit. But, um, no. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jesus, Bill. Stop yes. it. No, stop. Whatever euphemism you're about to say, stop it's it. In. Anyway, oh. no, stop it. How's the moon? So, uh, no, uh, she's just a really interesting character. I love that archetype. I could just, I this just This lady that played by Ben like Beckham? And she is hot as fuck. What's oh, his lady's name? Her name is Archie. The character? Uh, no, well, the character's name is Kalinda. 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 K-A-L-I-N-D-A, I think. Let's see. She's really good looking. <laughs> I'm just saying. She's got a leather jacket that does. And she wears these boots. It just makes my brain Oh, she looks kind of goth. No, she does Is not. Is she Indian? Yes. Oh, okay. She does not well, look she's goth. She's attractive. She's kind of, she's got the kind of a punk femme thing going on that's great. It's just, man. Oh, yeah, I could see that. She's great. Okay, and this is CBS, a CBS this show. This is a CBS show. For some reason, I think it's like a rated R, like HBO show. No, I, I, is she this topless? show is just super competent, and all of the all the characters are really solid, and um, the little arcs are really God, so good. I just I, we just finished the first season; it's so good. So we got on iTunes. We're like, yeah, Good Wife, yeah, second season. Second season is forty dollars. I just can't. Or the DVDs out? Is that any cheaper? I, I will like, look. Used from Amazon? Yeah, I'm sure. But because I, I, I love digital, you just gotta incentivize me, man. You've got the convenience. I'll do it. I'll throw it down. But man, the first season was like thirty bucks, twenty bucks. I'll do that. But forty dollars. Yeah. Forty dollars. Let's see. Anyway, um, there's Good Wife season three. Yeah, this third season just ended. That's my thing. If it were a season that just ended, I'd second say... season of Good Wife is on Amazon uh, for nineteen fifty used. Yeah, just throwing that out there. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. 
We still have the brand first, new for twenty six. We still have the first season of Justified that that um, Mike talked me into watching. Yeah, and I enjoy. We watched the pilot of both those shows at the same time, and I liked Justified, but um, Good Wife so hit the like the note that I wanted in that moment that we just mainlined the Good Wife. But now I'm on this good. My brain is on this Good Wife track. And I, we try to go back and watch Justified, and it's, it's really not, good. It's not delivering it's those just, essential vitamins and ingredients you're looking for. Exactly. Right now, yeah. It's like, I really wanted a taco, and sure, there's this hamburger, but a hamburger's not a taco. Hamburgers aren't bad. It's just, no, you know, just taco, taco just sounds so good right now. Exactly. Yeah. You just already ate three good tacos, and you're just like, man, one more would have yeah. set me up perfect. Yeah. This hamburger's just kind of fucking with me. Yeah. It's on that plate, looking all juicy. So the other thing I watched this week was Active Valor. The hell? Oh, is that so? The... Active Valor is the movie that came out last year that was like about um like uh Can't Navy, act the Navy special for, forces. Well, so this is the thing for those of you at home. Uh, the the gimmick of Active Valor is that it's a war film starring actual av- active service like special forces officers. So these are dudes who are not just like I'm playing a soldier. These are actual soldiers. And one thing that is interesting is that that means they fire a gun and they don't fucking blink. Yeah. But. It's, I felt really uncomfortable about that whole idea, even beyond, not even just the acting, the idea of taking actual men who sacrifice themselves for their country and having them play in a movie about people who sacrifice for their country, it just made me feel gross. It made me feel gross the whole time. It also feel like kind of like propaganda too, aside from the whole angle of... I'll accept that. There is a proud history of movies that are transparently propaganda for the military. I have no problem with that because it is what it is. That's specifically though, just like having what Are they supposed to be active service members? I think they are. So they're, in the middle of a shot, they're, they're like, oh, wait, hold on. Well, it's not like it, Bill, <laughs> motherfucker. It's not like the cameras are embedded capturing what's happening. They're playing roles. And it's, Who are they it was, fighting against? It's terrorists. Terror, yeah. But um, one thing that was weird is that it's really transparently, like, these dudes were like, we're going to make a Call of Duty movie. It's a modern warfare movie. It yeah. is. The f- first person shots with the camera, in, with, like, really? the gun in the camera. That sounds interesting just to see from a technical point of it view, is but a, that sounds you, cynically terrible. See, that's the thing. I feel very conflicted because it was, I mean, it's just an old-fashioned propaganda movie. It is. But that sounds more like PR, like military PR than it's, it even sounds like it, like propaganda. It made me really uncomfortable. Really yeah. uncomfortable. Like I, I was a military kid. I am not my approach my that my does my, sound my, my knee jerk reaction to any sort of military thing where a lot of people fear it or are cynical about it, it gives me warm fuzzies. It does. Yeah. Because I grew up in the, the warm loving arms of the US US Army. But um and my wife grew up in the Navy. So she's all she's like crying in the movie, and I'm cry. I was crying too at the end because dude dies, of course. And there's there's they actually like the, it, it was very well filmed. The editing was kind of I don't that know. I, just, I felt really uncomfortable. Really eh, uncomfortable. Fuck it. That sounds stupid. That <laughs> just sounds like let's get real. Uh, well, let's get real, uh, Marine guys for no reason other than just like oh, it's real well, guys. Dude, I the, saw the commercials and that looked bad. The all the actual action sequences looked way more realistic because they're due to no, do that great, shit. But at the moment the the, the, the characters move, open their mouths, it's just like I love soup. I'm just like, man. And especially if these guys are like active military guys, they'd be better off actually being in the fucking military. Like the way all the like the heads so up display weird. stuff like, is shown and like all of the sounds interesting to see. Oh, well, like, check that shit out on YouTube. It was totally like Active of, Valor. Was, active Valor. It was a transparently a Call of Duty movie. Can't Active Valor. <laughs> see what I did there? I'm a fat guy. I don't have to ever have to use my gun in my life. I can say that. I can make fun of the people defending our freedom. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah. What? And that was it? 
what'd you do, motherfucker? Don't just grill me. What'd you no, do? No, what'd you week? do? No, fucker. What did I just say? What Don't just grill you... me. What did you do? Oh. It's on now. I played a little bit of the Uncharted uh, on Vita at the mall today. Oh, yeah? <laughs> That's exciting, isn't it? <laughs> I just... The only reason I'm bringing this up is because have you played it? Yeah, a little bit. It actually looks really good. It's gorgeous. Yeah. And I'm gonna buy a the Vita. podcast, Ryan McCluskey, he did voices for that game. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah, that's right. Because you're going to buy that Vita just to get the Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Yeah. I'll buy the Vita. And, like, guess what? I'm How much buy is that? 250 No, I'm going to buy it used from GameStop. Are you kidding me? I'm going to buy a cheap-ass Vita. Oh, man. Did you see they were putting out a DSi uh, or 3DS XL? Mm-hmm. Man, that sounds like the hot shit because, like, the 3DS sucks. But, man, the the the, the, the Axel version of the old DS was the best thing Nintendo's ever put out. That big screen was super nice. Yeah. And uh, that in 3D, I could actually see them being pretty clear, especially with the 3DS being higher resolution than the original DS. Yeah. I could be some sexy shit. I guess they're putting that on the same day that the new Super Mario Brothers game comes out in August. Yeah. These two facts are not unrelated. <sighs> you should see that that's going to be the first Mario game that is DLC, too. Yeah. It's so sad to see Nintendo games are coming out with DLC now. I have no Pre- problem with and DLC. DLC that's announced even before the game comes out, too. I have no problem with DLC. Yeah, I'm still I, not a fan I'm not of DLC. allergic. Um, what I do? Man, I watched a shitload of movies this week. Yeah? Uh, I was telling Andy before the podcast, uh, man, I said, hey, hung out with my uh, roommates when we watched the new Studio Ghibli movie, uh, The Bar Ari- Arietti, mm-hmm. while well, eating sugar-free pudding cups. And it was rainy outside. Yeah. And it was like the perfect Saturday yeah, afternoon. It was kind of cold and rainy, but like, yeah. I have a sugar-free pudding cup, but I'm watching a cartoon. I like that you really need to point out every time you've mentioned it that it's sugar-free pudding cup. Because sugar-free just seems extra like you would give a little kid. Like, I don't want you formula. to get fat. Have sugar-free. It was actually pretty good for, you know, I'm not a big fan of sugar-free stuff I as like sugar-free anyone. frosting. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, the movie itself was not that interesting. It's not, it's very slight little... Student. I'm going to say something probably controversial. Who gives a fuck about any of the stories in any of the Studio Ghibli No, but I'm just even, even for Studio Ghibli movies, it's just not like... A, a, little, a little elf chick gets seen by a weirdly sick kid who's just yeah. really like, Hello, I see you. Don't be scared. Eh. She's like, ah! And then she has to move away. And the movie ends with her moving away. I, I I never regret spending a dollar at seeing a Studio Ghibli movie on the big screen because I just want to sit there and watch on the big screen. Oh, that's the best part of the movie. Did I write this down? Best part of the movie is... Oh, shit, no. I spent, like... I wrote 18 paragraphs about The Legend of Korra. Anyway, uh, what the hell is... Uh, bar... Uh, you know, the, the the clever stuff they do with the sense of scale using animation, like uh, um, some of the characters... Oh, uh, the main, oh, so it, the story is about this. Have you ever read the uh, the Borrowers? I watched the, so many iterations. I watched the movie the that came out, and I watched there's the, the live TV action. Show. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because half the time we're watching, we're like, I remember from the Littles they did this, yeah. but from the bar from the Borrowers movie they did yeah. this. And we're trying to suss out what's going to happen <laughs> they, next. There were, wasn't there also another Borrowers? There's movie been a couple out, like, things like yeah, like, not, like less than a decade ago with John. So Goodman. in this, yeah, it's not like the Littles where everyone has tails, and it's not like John Goodman's showing up yeah. in it. This time it's all about weirdly sick, sick. No, and this time they have Amy Poehler and. Oh, was it Amy Poehler? David Arnett. Wait, no. Mm. Well, who's to play Job? Is it David Arnett? What's his name? Will Arnett. Will Arnett playing uh, her parents. And so that's Wait, great to see. Will Arnett playing Amy Poehler's parents? No, Amy Poehler and Will Arnett playing the oh, okay. main Arietti's okay. parents. Okay, that's okay. So the reason why I made that sound askance is that Will Arnett is married to Amy Poehler. I know. So I did not want to. I did not want. For little people. That's right. Families are different. 
Uh, but no, Ariadne, uh, she gets busted. And no, but like, yeah, they do lots of great stuff where like they have to explore this kitchen and the kitchen is kind of like set up to be kind of like this big cavernous space as big as the Grand Canyon. And they mm-hmm. have to like get across to steal stuff and it's, you know, it's nice. It's, uh, it's got a soundtrack, you know, it's stuff. The soundtrack, it's got songs in English that sounds like they were written, uh, written by a Japanese person. Mm-hmm. Cause like Arietti's theme song is like, I'm so pretty. I'm 14. Like the lyrics are just describing the character. Like if yeah. you were to like write a checklist, I'm female. <laughs> I wear shoes. Sometimes I have to poop. And that is seriously her theme song. Sometimes you do have to poop. So, I don't know. It wasn't directed by Miyazaki. It was a first-time director. I don't know who who the director specifically was, but I'm glad to see they're still trying to give films to first-time directors. Well, it's kind of like Pixar's kind of going through the same thing right now where they're not relying on all their old-school directors all the time. They're, they're trying to branch out. Yeah. Right? That's hard. That's a fine line to cross, you know? What are you looking at? Look at it, Tumblr. What's up, Tumblr? I have nothing to share about b- the fucking. You like cartoons? You like Studio I do. Ghibli? I enjoy them. Studio Ghibli? No, I'm just distracted because um, uh, Brian um, Konietzko, or whatever his name. <laughs> I have no idea how to say his last I know, name. Yeah, I'm yeah. terrible. Anyway, they just posted a, a thing on his Tumblr of uh, a bunch of the production people drawing pictures of all the characters. Oh, yeah. For the finale. Uh, as we record this, it is uh, Friday night, the Saturday before the Legend of Korra finale hits. Man, I was almost tempted for us to, like, find a way to, le- like, get a copy of that episode and just, like, delay recording till tomorrow night so we could make this week a day late, but also the uh, the Legend of Korra freakout episode, but that'll be next week. Oh, man, Legend of Korra. That'll give us a week to stew on the finale. <sighs> um... What do you think is going to happen on this episode? I've, have I've, you seen the images that got leaked? I didn't want to no. see them, but I saw stuff. We have spoken before about how I have no interest in hypothesizing about this. I enjoy... She can go. Is she going to go Avatar State? Are we going to see the know. spirit world? Are we going to see what Amon is? I think Amon is a firebender. You think so? He, he, he cooked his own face off? Or something. Yeah. I don't know. I prefer to think that it's a place of self-loathing as opposed to any sort of spiritual thing. Yeah. Uh, Asami. She Are we going to talk about Legend of Korra now? Is that... I'll put my touch down if we're going to talk about it. I have to, because <laughs> the only other stuff I have, have to talk to about is also Brave and the Moonrise Kingdom, and you haven't seen those yet either. <laughs> I'll talk about those, but I'm at least going to throw you a bone before I go back out in the wild and leave you to f- uh, fend for yourself. Um, yeah, Legend of Korra. I, I really hope that Asami does not go bad. For no apparent reason, because boys are shitty. She's a badass, but her whole character really is defined as like, Marco likes me, Marco don't like me. Well, to be fair, the show doesn't have time to do anything. This is weird. Like, that's the only thing. Like, this last episode kind of shows how kind of weirdly kind of stilted the character development and just yeah. the p- storytelling pacing of the show has been this season well, my... which i assume is a result of the show going from like was like six episode miniseries or something yeah. like that to be getting blown up to like yeah a, a full like multi-season television what show. i i would were i my counter argument to that what i've really enjoyed about the show is that asami and Korra are, are portrayed as friends like they are well no no no, no. shut up shut your fucking mouth Let no i'm finish. not even not a scene, make that no. face motherfucker yeah i like what i mean they're like from a, it's not it, it would be way easy just be like you like my boyfriend yeah you know like that bullshit like they they talk to each other they did go it. race they did go race that's true oh that was right anyway no but uh my my i was thinking about this my only complaint and i wouldn't even call it a complaint but my observation about the show is that it's about the legend of cora and cora hasn't done anything 
That's Cora, what I'm saying. Cora is a catalyst, but she is not really even like even to come down to specific fights, like the fight where like the the whole Avatar gang, mm-hmm. they the what they call it, the core crew or the uh, they go out. Team in, Avatar. Yeah, team. Well, they go out in the car for the first time and start yeah. patrolling the town like yeah. Buffy the Vampire Slayer or yeah. something like that. And they get attacked by equalists. And there's a yeah. whole big fight where Cora doesn't even do anything during the fight. There's this whole thing where this one equalist kind of like t- ties up uh, Mako. Mm-hmm. And like no one else is helping him. I'm like, okay, this is going to be part where Cora steps in. You see Cora's in the background just going like. Well, everybody's fighting their own fight. Well, no, except for Cora. She's the one actually not actively fighting anyone. But that's just one little scene. But yeah, but, I, yeah, no, I they think... had to kind of shove her off. It's weird that like the main character of the show right now is kind of Lin Bei Fong. She's the most developed character on the oh, show. Lin she's Bay the Fong. she's the only one with a really robust backstory that we know about. She's the only one who's actually gone through any kind of an arc this season where yeah. she's gone being kind of antagonistic towards yeah. the Avatar. Toward to if spoilers you haven't seen the show yet, she sacrifices herself. Yeah. To uh to 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 help man. In fact, she ends up sacrificing herself to save the family of the man who she was spurned by like yeah. twenty years earlier. Yeah. And that moment where she gives like Pima and the family that look of like, this you have everything I can't have. Yeah. But I'm going to sacrifice myself to protect this. Yeah. And she and there's some that's built in. They obviously they you know they were trying to make a moment of that. And yeah. That that was fucking fantastic. I like how you think every character in the show is ten years older than they are. Why? You just have, they're like, yeah, Lin Bay Fong's like 50 years old. I'm like, you dork. Tenzin's not... gotta be around 50. I don't think so. If, if, if. I would say, I would say at best he's, he's like mid If to the late events 40s. of the original Avatar were 70 years prior to this, that means uh, Aang would have been at least in his mid 30s when he had Tenzin. So if, if Tenzin's not like 50, he's in his 40s. I don't know if Tenzin is alive during the flashbacks that we saw. That's a good question. Well, I what those were like 40, 45 years earlier. Yeah. So that yeah, that is who knows. Yeah. But uh, well, I'm just saying that. But there is seventy years difference. So I I peg, I like Peg Min, Lin Lin's Bay like Fong. in her she Lynn's graying. She's got practically got gray well, hair. So is Pima, and so is like well, she's got a little bit know. of a streak, like like tough. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just saying, I'm 28 years old, and I have six gray it's hairs. It's been long enough. Did you see who uh, General Iroh was supposed to be? That is not supposed to be Zuko's kid. That's it's his grandson. grandson. Yeah. yeah. Man, that was even that was great. It was ridiculous. I Hearing just, that I, voice come out of anyone else's face, it just seems stupid. But like, oh, oh no, I, see, it totally made me Yatsuba. I was just like, motherfucker. I can't complain because I was the guy last week complaining about how when that flashback where you get to see all the uh, Avatar <laughs> yeah. characters, you didn't say, is he, hear their voices. Yeah. They recast them, but this is the one time oh, where it's man. like, I was like, yes. That whole episode, I love that episode. You should have been drinking tea oh, when that happened. It was so good. Yeah. God damn. Yeah, see, it's like, it's not really my, that is not my complaint. Because really, I'm okay with Korra being, she's, she's, an, 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 I enjoy her character so much. But I, I think that what's interesting is that this has been all about the political state situation in Republic City as opposed to Korra growing as a person and growing into being the Avatar. Yeah, which is kind of an interesting, uh. All I can assume Storytelling is Storytelling that... choice. Yeah. But the only thing that sucks about this being such a politically motivated uh, plot is that we haven't seen anything about the city. The, in, yeah. in terms of the city, we've only seen you, Airbender you Island. that last week. Yeah, we've only seen City Hall and the pro-bending arena. Yeah. And that's been it. We have I'm not okay. seen... We have not actually seen what relations between benders and non-benders have been... Are, like, actually in the city at yeah. ground level at all. Yeah. And we've seen... The only thing we've seen was, like, we saw the non-benders uh, kind of... Uh, protesting when uh, 
Tarlock shut their electricity down. Yeah. And they were that wasn't even well, like a political thing. They had their shit shut down. They were protesting and the, Tarlock went in there and fucked We that see up, the but. whole criminal thing at the start, which implies that there are some tensions between the Benders. But it's and funny that like since the pilot episode there hasn't been Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised that we have not seen any underground crime organization stuff this whole season. I don't see we talked about this all last week. I don't I necessarily know. object to any of this because it's I'm really, not even objecting, but it's a little bit it's I, I it's just an interesting thing that like for it's about Korra becoming the Avatar because the first show very much so is about Aang's journey and yeah. I'm okay with this not being about Korra's journey. Oh yeah. But um, I was thinking about this and I'm like, well, what would Korra? What would because I Korra ultimately tends and always bails Korra out. Yeah. More or less, every time. Well, now he's not in a position to do that anymore. Well, that's the interesting thing. It's like so Korra. I was thinking about this. I'm like, well, what about season two? And uh, is does Giles have to go away? Does like. Tenzin have to come at leave the picture somehow for you could argue that's what's before this week's finale. episode everyone was flipping out about something terrible happens in, in this episode before I got a chance to see it yeah because I watch this stuff on iTunes so I have to wait a day yeah from the time the internet gets to see it to the time I get to see it and it sounded like some bad shit went down and I was like man I was thinking well if they have to kill anybody Tenzin's the guy you get rid of well see but the team the team has to have a member like all four elements and that's why Lin Bei Fong was always gonna always up for the chalk eating blocks. When you think about it, she's the most vestigial to the to the core story. Well, I still think and she's the, the second Earthbender. We got a part of the this. team, though. Well, that's what I'm saying. She's but she she's she's totally superfluous to the core of the show. What's been Bolin been up to for the last like three episodes? Well, he's, he's had two lines in four episodes. He's the Michelangelo he just, of this I know, turtles. He just shows up and says, "Hey, what's up, bros? Anchovy pizza with marshmallows." He's <laughs> it, yeah. he's heart. Well, I mean, they've really cleared the decks for the next two episodes that essentially have yeah. to be about Korra and her little gang. Man. All the other characters are gone now. My, I love the show so much. The only thing I'll say is that I am, I will be really disappointed if Asami goes bad. I would be really disappointed. It's either Asami goes bad or her father goes good. And one of the two are probably going to happen. I, I think if Asami um, goes bad because of a boy, that would be literally... That's... The weakest sauce possible. That would suck, too, because, like I said, going into Korra, one of my big worries was the uh, Avatar guys are not that strong when it comes to romantic arcs, because the, yeah. the, the, the whole Aang and Katara thing from the first season it's was kind of... was kind of boo. It wasn't terrible, but it was just kind of like... It's clearly bleh. not anything they care about. And I was worried that, like, the love romantic stuff in the series would be the one thing they kind of biff, which... I really appreciate the fact they got so much out of the way with like the what like the third or fourth episode where yeah. they just really dressed that stuff off the feet. But yeah, letting Asami just kind of stew with her romantic relationship and Mako's kind of oh non-entity. man, that was my favorite moment of this week's episode where yeah. he's like, "Can we not talk about a relationship right now?" <laughs> and it's just like, "Yes, can I just deprioritize your thoughts and feelings?" I know, she was there. And she just gets and she bugs the fuck out. She's like, "I'm oh, going." Oh man, but man, that's the scene with Lin Bay Fong that was so well done where the audio drops out. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I cried. I watched it Sunday morning before I went to work. Cried like a bitch. That was one of those moments I watched it where Sunday night after work and cried like a bitch. If you had to bring guns into Avatar, into the Avatar universe, just yeah. the, me thinking about this, I was like, that would have been the perfect moment to say it. Like si Chief Sycon only shows him he's got his yeah. fucking sniper rifle and puts a yeah. round through Amon's arm right before he lays hands on uh, uh, Lin Bei Fong's head. But like, yeah, that just yeah. fuck yeah. Yeah, but Lee, it's funny that Lee Bay Fong is right now the most well-rounded character on the whole name. So show. in my alternate universe fan fiction, this is a point where Xiaomi and Lin Bay Fong <laughs> open a self-defense school for the city. Asami did fuck up people in that episode, though. She Asa was, I love the yeah, thing the white lotus kicking. Oh, man. Fart bending was awesome. <laughs> Fart bending. <laughs> oh, they would all... As I, yeah. I like, I like how the show is not willing... 
they're not gonna forget. Hey, guess what? This show is for five year olds. Poot. Oh. Um, I do like that you actually do get to see the girls actually doing combat combative. Len, uh, Tenzin's daughter's actually doing combative. That was airbending. great. That whole sequence was so great. But man, it's it's. But yeah, like I said, with the the whole with the mon's political motivations well being political the fact that yeah the fact that we haven't actually seen anything about what the relationships between yeah people in the avatar universe in republic city are it's just weird i'm sure we'll see more of that in the next episode or two one one choice that they made well not that they made but one thing that is interesting is that so you could very easily see amon's position as being very sympathetic yeah like it's like well here are these these characters who are here are these people who are oppressing us with their abilities and, you know, now we need to get them out of the way and all this. But it, and then, the, like, all these terrorist bombings? Like, he bombs half the city. Well, that wasn't even terrorist bombing. He just launches his assault. Well, this is one of the things I wrote down for the notes was yeah. uh, he was sympathetic all the way up until this. This is this is the one thing I had a well, serious objection to with this episode is because, uh, yeah, Mon's been sympathetic all the way up until this episode. This one, he's just indiscriminately bombing the entire town. Well, I mean, we have to assume that it is very discriminate. Because when what 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 places we know that they attacked were places of bending power, so we have to yeah. assume that all the well, other attacks. But were... they show like they're just dropping bombs on the city. I can, well, they you know they well, fuck I mean, up city not... hall and stuff. Yeah, they're, I could see them just trying to push out the the, the bending government. The fact that yeah, that all the leaders of the city are benders. That's yeah. weird. But the, but the mean, fact that they never even address that in the show, you just have to... Well, but, but then, I mean, they, they show they random attack, buildings they attack are just getting sports, destroyed. They attack a sports event, a popular sports event. But this event. episode, they're bombing random buildings. We don't know that. That's what I'm saying. We should know that. There should be at least one or two What episodes. are they going to say? Oh my God, they're bombing all the bender places, all the bending utilities. How can you guarantee what are they gonna with, say with the city where like, all the nations and all the benders and non-benders are supposed to be so evenly kind of living together in peace and harmony? How could you just say, like, okay, we're just going to go bomb where all the benders live over here? Well, A, the point is is that they're not in harmony. That's the whole point of the entire show. Yeah. B, I mean, what are they going to do? Are they going to explicitly say, oh, no, that's the Wada Tribe Community Center. Oh, no, that's the uh, firebending among, jazz among, lounge. Among kind of turned into a G.I. Joe Cobra Commander motherfucker in this episode. I mean, it, ultimately, terrorists, guess what? Do bullshit terrorist actions. This wasn't that... even terrorists as much as full-on attack. I, it's, you It's know. not even, like, sneaking around, which, you know, it, they're... Yeah. I would say discreet, precise bombings and then less precise bombings. That airship is dropping shit all over the city! I'm just saying. I don't need someone, some character, I don't need to be in, like, some fucking command center, like, oh, well, they took out, you know, the, the earth-bending, you know, well, we have no idea group. what the makeup of the city is. That's what I'm saying. We yeah. haven't seen anything about that. So, like, it's weird that, like, you know, 12 episodes into the, or 10 episodes in the show, we, yeah, we don't know what the... So what would you have preferred to have happen, like, in this attack? What would be the one Well, I can see if they actually, like, more discreetly took out everyone at City Hall, but the actual just dropping bombs randomly over the city just... Uh, it just irked me. It just, I thought it was a weird creative choice and suddenly makes him on... He actually is a villain now. He's no longer the sympathetic disruptor of the political... He's, situation. He's always now he's been, just a moo-hoo-hoo-ha-ha bad guy. He has never been a terribly nuanced character. I no. mean, really. From the first moment we see him, it's all like, you know, strains of terrifying music. I have a creepy <laughs> mask. You know, it's like, it's never but, been, there's never been any sort of... But yeah, that potential sympathy. for sympathy is kind of what really kind of gave him any kind of depth. Well, it's not, I don't know if sympathy is the word as much as empathy. Like, yeah, his, exactly, his, yeah. his, 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 what he's asking for. But the for fact that, like, very... yeah, we don't know what if how much what he's saying is true or not true because we don't we haven't been able to see objectively for, for ourselves what's going on in the city. I Here, know. I'll ask you, what is General Iroh? What is, what is the what are the United Front 
whatever they're called. What do they do? They're gonna show. Than... They're also gonna bomb the city, and nothing can <laughs> solve it because I don't know what I don't know what a bunch of warships are gonna do in this situation. Except maybe shoot the airships out well, of the sky. A, all also, the, like they have guns the... in those ships. That's kind of weird. Yeah. That I saw someone on Reddit had posted a picture of like that last shot of all the warships, yeah. and they just pointed out with a big arrow. Cannons, guns are now cannon. You know, it's a joke because the guns are bark, cannons, bark, bark. but now they're cannon. Like it looks like they, there's actual guns. We've never seen like any kind of fire wa- firearms in the uh, Avatar. Well, cannons before. are you wouldn't. I want to argue only not they're cannons. They might be with giant flamethrowers or something like. Well, that. Well, I mean, even yeah. beyond that, I wouldn't say guns are firearms. It's, it's like a cannon. Yeah, you know I mean. But yeah, no. Uh, 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 what what does the United Front Army do? I mean, there's a lot of them. <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> It's all Top Gun beach volleyball most of the time. It's just like this is their yeah, one moment to shine. Out, I saw like people point out to the, like the emblems on the side of the ships. It's actually the Earth Kingdom. Oh yeah. Uh, symbol with the Fire Nation colors. Yeah. Oh, and did you see the whole the whole people are already assuming who uh, Iroh's father is? Because did you see the whole thing about the extended uh, Avatar family tree that the uh, Avatar guys put out at like Comic Con last year? I only year? saw the one that you posted about. That's like the where, Aang's family. Tree. Yeah, where you get to see who uh, uh, Tenzin's uh, brother and sister are, Kaya and Boomy. Yeah, yeah. And Boomy is like this homeless-looking guy, but it turns out he's wearing a collar. Like his shirt is exactly what Iroh is wearing, where it's a Fire Nation kind of yeah. like folded, yeah. like thingy thing with like little fire, like yeah, fire mm-hmm. emblem collar stuff. Yeah. People are like, oh, that must mean he's his dad. And what about people seem to assume thing? that Boomy is also uh, uh, Amon, too? Uh, this, is, just... this is my favorite thing about fandom. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, it's like kind of like in the Harry Potter world where everyone assumes at the end of Harry Potter all these characters hang out forever. Yeah. And they never go away. Like, I'm, I remember vaguely when I was, I was circling Harry Potter fan and people were freaking about it. Level, Neville Longbottom, he marries a muggle. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean that's Mary Luna Lovegood? Well, that's what's what happening. I'm like, dude, he married someone who he didn't go to elementary school with. <laughs> well, go what, Neville. We had talked about this before about how, yeah, just because like the characters at the end of a story, they don't their life shouldn't be static from the last moment we see them in that story. Cracks me up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <sighs> Guess what? They went off and did something else. They had other adventures. Yeah. Like what you saw just saw was like seventy years of their lives in the Harry Potter stories, but yeah. they live to be like a they live a whole lifetime. Yeah. yeah. It just cracks me up. Fucking stupid motherfucker. Well, and then on the other hand, in fandom, if you're like, well, then maybe they go off and they do this. That's not interesting. You know? It's like, you can't be the fandom person who's like, oh, well, they met, well, you know, Aang actually met this beautiful young woman who looks remarkably like me, (laughs) and they had children. You know, Aang had a kid, and he had to buy uh, health insurance, and yeah, it wasn't wasn't that interesting. (laughs) Anyway, Bill, tell me about Moonrise Kingdom. (sighs) What else? We're missing anything about Legend of Korra. Legend of Korra is great, and I love it. I love it. I, I really, I am not complaining about Korra as a character, really, because I enjoy that character so much. She hasn't so been doing much. much. She really has just been... She, I, my only thing is, like, she has not... Her her struggles with her spiritual... Granted, the show, it's so action-packed. It's hard to have any sort of spiritual development. And I didn't necessarily want her to be sitting aside. Well, that's kind of the fun... Yeah. No, I will... Here's my question for you. Do you really think that Aang and his Avatar visions were just trying to draw attention to the fact that that what's his fuck was what's yeah, his fuck yeah I, I don't see there's got to be a larger mystery there with what with yeah. Tarlock being able to Tarlock and Yukon being able to blood bend without a full moon yeah it, of everything that's going on it's weird yeah uh, I, Aang has to be telling her something else because what is Aang gonna do Aang's gonna be like your flies down it's like he's gonna give her pertinent information he's not gonna give her something that gives her hind like something in hindsight is helpful Unless, what was Aang trying to communicate to her yeah I'm, yeah because that was such a big build up throughout the whole season too that I yeah. can't imagine just like oh he's your son yeah that that's the big there's, thing 
figured out he was trying to communicate to Cora because that's kind of what who gives a shit. It's interesting. I'm looking forward to it. I what really the reason why I'd be sad about the whole Asami if Asami goes bad just because Mako is a teenage boy. That would make me so sad about that is that all the the lady we talked about this. I enjoy all the lady characters in this show. They're all just kind of badasses. Yeah. And just to have it be, uh, turn into, and that's my boyfriend. My boyfriend, boo, boo, boo. You they're, know? All, they're all teenagers, they so there's nothing teenagers. to say that couldn't happen. I know. But I, that's what I'm most scared that's, of. Like, I, like I, there's a lot of hate for Asami and Mako from the fan community, I guess. Just because they're so boring together. Well, here's I no don't one... dislike either of those characters by themselves, but their relationship is pretty boring. I don't know if you've ever really spent any time in fandom. No. No one ships canon relationships. No one. People are It's crazy. boring. Man, the Legend Core of Fandom is getting to, like, lost levels of, like, hysterical, <laughs> just like, I think this person should date this person. I think this magical well, thing dude, will happen to this and stuff. That's fandom for you. Because it's no, this is where I, where I never found a place in fandom. Because I am totally the most boring, it's canon sort of stuff. Like, when you I was know, circling. You enjoy the story that's being fed to you by the authors. I, I am not, I'm not the sort of person who, who necessarily gets off and going on some going deep into the woods. And, yeah. You know. I, I totally, when I was in Harry Potter fandom, I circled the Ron and Hermione shipping community, which is hilarious because it's all some boring shit. Because nobody, it's the people who ship canon stuff are the most boring. There's bland, nothing to ship because you don't get to make toast. up that much stuff because all it's all there. I would, there's no subtext to really play with. I would disagree. Whenever you have an archetype, you just riff on it indefinitely. Well, unless you say like uh, Ron Hermione have like a fucked up S and M relationship, <laughs> like you say like Which you're pretty with sure. that shit, but like yeah, I would disagree. It depends on what nutrients you want to glean from your fandom. Hermione would, would say. totally be a dominatrix. Oh man, you know that Ron is just tired all the time. He's, He's like, like, I don't honey. know. Can we just do missionary? Nope. <laughs> what is what? What's her job in the future? Oh, isn't she like? See, I can't remember because there was my 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 head canon, and then there's actual canon. Because yeah. in my head canon, I wanted her to work in. Um, she doesn't work. What, what's the what's the hospital? Uh, Mungo's Mungo's hospital that fixes people. So like, if she worked for them, that like, if she accidentally like made Ron's penis too big, she would be, have access to all the spells that would fix it. Like easily. accidentally. Well, because they're not in a magical world where they can do things deliberately unconscious. And her, well, then, you Engorgio. know, then she's forced to accidentally make her vagina too large to accept all that uh, penis. And you it have just the kinda... most boring Harry Potter. In a world of magic where anything is possible, <laughs> all you can think of is dick embiggoting and vagina embiggoting. Uh, you just have water hit the clit. <laughs> so you want to have like a jet tub? Is yeah. that a, that's, that's, your, a, that's your most magical just wishes for a jet tub. You know, granted, she, you know, oh, God, sex stuff in the world of uh, Last Airbender, too. I didn't even think about that. Jesus Christ. Cock bending. You could, like, shape a phallus out of a rock. Wait, no, that would not feel nice. Oh, wait, okay. My uh, headcanon is more or less correct. Oh, yeah? She begins her post-Hogwarts career by working in the Department for the Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures, which was Oh, uh, that's what it is, yeah. Um, where she's instrumental in greatly improving the lives of house elves. She later moves higher oh, up in right. the Department of Magical Law Enforcement. That's right. I forgot, because in my fantasy... Um, uh, in my fantasy world, there's a, um, a police procedural with adult Hermione Granger, um, played by Francis, Francis O'Connor, and, um... Who's uh, Francis O'Connor? Francis O'Connor looks just enough like, um, um, adult Emma Watson that she's been my brain... You mean Emma Watson? I don't fucking know Who is know now I'm an adult. This. She is an adult. Oh, Yeah. Isn't That's she right, gonna be Bill. naked in a new movie or something? I do not know. You're not interested in half naked Hermione. Frances O'Connor is in um uh, the Importance of Being Earnest TV or movie that came out a couple years ago, and I really liked her. In I that. saw the action figure. 
This is Frances O'Connor. She was the mom in AI. That's where most people know her. Oh! I'm just saying, I want her, I want a police, a TV show, police procedural. Yes. I think. Yes. This Man, is not great. This is terrible radio. Bill, what else is going on? Tell me this about Moonrise Kingdom. This is more or less like an actual conversation rather than playing to the radio. <laughs> hey, Bill, what about Moonrise Kingdom? Tell me about Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, Moonrise Kingdom. I am someone who is at best indifferent to Wes Anderson movies. Should I Which go see? Which movies of his did you like? That's or a very good hate. question. I know, that's what I was to say, Exactly. Which one did you just My see? problem with most um, Wes Anderson movies is that I could get um, what I wanted from them by watching the trailer. You saw he's making a reboot movie, right? Go fuck it's gonna yourself. be the twist. Don't even make that joke. <laughs> it's gonna be a bunch of people like, I saw like little circuit boards right on paper, like t- taped to their heads, going, "I am a computron." What's the movie with uh, where Bill Murray is the crazy um, Jacques Cousteau kind of guy? Yeah, Life Aquatic. That was terrible. I didn't yes. like Rushmore. I hated Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, wow. Those are the um, good ones. I know. This is the thing. Uh, uh, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't pay to see Moonrise Kingdom. Okay. That's what I'm getting at. You might enjoy Moonrise Kingdom even more just because the main characters are kids. Uh, see, that's my thing. If anything, I think I'm most likely to like Moonrise Kingdom because the parts of his movies that I... What I didn't... What the movies that I, The parts of his movies I don't like are all the unending despair. And this seems like it's actually like the most... Well... However damaged these kids are, they're because they're quirky, kind of fucking kids. You know, they're yeah. they're Wes Anderson slightly. Yeah. Who's the guy who wrote uh, Catcher in the Rye? Oh, uh, that J.D. Salinger. Salinger. Yeah. It's that kind of kids where it's kind of like they're witty, but they're also kind of fucked up from weird home lives and stuff like that. But at least being kids, you, at least they have the rest of their lives to kind of fix themselves. Does this movie so have an the undercurrent end? of despair beneath the quirkiness? No, it's actually kind of hopeful. Okay, see, that's what I want for a Wes Anderson movie. And slightly kind of weird religious overtones. Really? Not like super religious, but there's like... I would be curious to see what your opinion about this film is. Too bad you'll never see it until it comes out on home video. Then I'll have to force you to watch it. I will watch it when it's at a three dollar theater and I can have a beer. I don't want to do that. Well, that'll yeah. happen in a week and a half. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah, well, the, the story is about these two kids. It's 1965. These two kids who live in this tiny island off the coast of New England called New Penzance, mm-hmm. and uh, they just get sick of their lives and they run away together. But the funny thing is, they barely know each other. They just kind of like fall in love with each other just because they're so alienated from everyone else. Yeah. And just by virtue of the fact that they're both aliens, they're just kind of attracted to each other. Yeah. Because uh, the kid, he's an orphan. The boy, he's an orphan, but he's also a scout trooper. Yeah. And he, so he's, he like, just throws himself into the whole scout trooping thing where that becomes his whole life, and he decides yeah. he's going to run away and he'll... Like, he'll take the girl with him, and he'll he'll protect them both, and yeah. that's kind of cute that way. And the girl, her she's the, uh, she comes from a, uh, uh, a loveless home where yeah. her parents are two lawyers. It's Bill Murray and uh, Frances McDormand. They're nice people, but it's just kind of weird and clinical and loveless. And, and, but she loves books. Like, the one thing she takes with her when she runs away from home is a kitten and her six favorite uh, uh, books she steals from the local library. Nice. She's very sad to steal them because she doesn't want to steal from the library, but what right. are you going to do? She's running away from home and yeah. she doesn't want to give up these stories. Yeah. And uh, so they're not really compatible, but they still kind of manage, manage to fall in love anyway. Yeah. And they're, so everyone else is looking for them on this island. They can only go so far because they're on a fucking island. They're only 12 years old. Yeah. And it's just got a cute story about them and it's just, it's interesting. I like it. It has a great soundtrack. Yeah. It's got a lot of, uh, yeah, by the Benjamin Britten guy. It's, uh, man. See, I, I think I might be more likely to enjoy this movie because I, I, the, the, the kind of adults that he picks in his movies, I just do not want to be in their the, heads. The adults are kind of sad, but they don't dwell on the adults too much. See, that's Bill, what I would want. Bruce Willis is in this movie and he's yeah. playing the cop. 
and he's kind of sad. But however sad you get, you like it's but we're not the in kids. their heads. Exactly. No, you're in the kids' the heads. The people he chooses to be in their heads, I do not want to be in their heads. I saw the Royal Tenenbaums at the time in my life when I had been contemplating suicide and shit. Yeah. And it did not sit well with me. <laughs> God damn. And the kids are not in that kind of fucked up situation like the Tenenbaums yeah. kids were. But, um... Oh, God, I'm trying to think of anything. The kids do kind of make out a little bit. There's How a whole thing where... It is kind of weird. Like, well, especially the girl. I was, like, thinking, oh, she's a she's kind of cute. Oh, oh God, God, Bill. And I thought she was, like, 16. <laughs> not to say that she's 16 is suddenly better. Because I'm 36. That, she's still young enough to be my daughter, technically. And then I was like, mm. then I found out later she's 12. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I had to console myself with knowing that women age faster than boys. But still, I was like... Oh, Bill. I am not allowed to think anyone's pretty unless they're 25. Yep. Um... But, uh, yeah, no, they have this great, like, where they're kind of making out. And uh, people point out because he does, he ends up making uh, earrings for her. Uh, except he doesn't know that her ears aren't pierced. Yeah. And uh, so he ends up having, a, like, he ends up piercing her ears for her. And this is, of course, right after they make out, so it's, like, a whole bleeding penetration, bro, bro, bro. But, they, like, I didn't realize uh... until someone pointed out the internet. But it's not, I don't think, I don't even know if it's supposed to be clever that way. But I'm glad that, like... It wasn't that kind of movie where it like try to tries to hit you over the head with that symbolism. Someone else had to point out to me, so it's nice. It's not bad. It's good. I like this. It. Cute. You why did you cite that one example? That is the one example that's gonna make me not want to see that movie. See what what? Oh, the the penetration metaphor. Yes, it's cute. When you, no. It's the cutest penetration metaphor. She, Bill, he, tell me about brain. He does one ear and he and he mangles it. Bill, tell me and, about brain. She's like she's obviously crying and he, she's like. I'm sorry, I can stop that. She's like, no, do the other one. Oh, God. I think tell me about Brave. He's <laughs> Bill, tell me about Brave. It You're undermining your Annie will go see the Moonrise Kingdom thing. No, it's not super bloody. It's just a trouble. Bill, tell me about Brave. Like... It's oh, Bill, I'm not, I don't care about the then gruesome. Then he pulls out his box of spiders and needles. <laughs> tell me about Brave. <laughs> what did you think of Brave, Bill? Oh, what did I saw. Oh, I saw that just today. It's not very good. Yeah. This is, wow, this I is heard. my trilogy of movies I saw this week. They're not very no. What, what, what Moonrise Kingdom was good. Uh, it's man, it's super conventional. It really is just a Disney princess movie. Yeah. Um, they released a teaser trailer for the movie a year ago, mm-hmm. and it's of her. It, it's the main character Merida. She is getting her bow and arrows, and she's going off into the forest to fight this bear. Mm-hmm. And it's a very cool uh, teaser. And when I, I got home from the movie, I was like, man, wait, that was a cool teaser, but that doesn't happen in the fucking movie, because like, yeah. she kind of fights the bear, but it's not like this super badass way she does in the teaser trailer. Mm-hmm. And I just realized, it's not, that, that, that movie swindled me. <laughs> it's Fuck almost that like shit. the whole point of marketing is to get you in the theater. This is the first time like in a while I've seen a movie where the teaser was just blatantly, not just like a little... Because even for Pixar, someone on Twitter pointed out, like, Pixar's done that before, where they've had a tra- yeah. teaser that wasn't necessarily just... That was like just it's a little scene or something, movie, yeah. but it's nothing that's like that. Well, they were trying to convey wouldn't fit into the movie. It was, well, oh, I, I would. It, it's trying to convey the tone to get your butt in the theater. Do you understand? It's a little bit like if the Star Wars teaser trailer was like Luke Skywalker yes, walking through the desert and he finds a lightsaber, and then suddenly Darth Vader comes out of and they and they sword fight, <laughs> and then it's just Star Wars. 
deserts and Darth Vader and sword fighting are all in that movie. But there, there's no scene that that happens. I would rather see a teaser that is not content in the movie. It tells me what the oh, tone no. of the movie is. Just yeah. I don't want to see I'm a teaser. I'm not even complaining that... about that. But like, uh, but that's it. You have to think it's going to be an action movie. I got in an argument with somebody on Twitter who hadn't seen the movie yet today. But he was like, no, this is like this is an action film. You don't realize how daring a movie this is. Like, you have not seen the movie yet. It's yeah. a Disney princess movie. Just happened to be made by Pixar. It is safe as houses. Like, I it's guarantee not that you daring. that they made that teaser trailer for like preteen boys. Yeah, it's, or whatever. Like yeah. trying to get people. It's it's no more daring than uh, to Princess get boys and the Frog to go or see a Disney movie. It's about not princesses. bad, but it is just like and the main hook. There's been the whole that this. I'm not no spoilers because I know people. Uh, the movie just came out, and also we have people over who in the UK who won't be saying this for like God knows how many years. Uh, but there was a story twist that everyone was like uh, a week ago when the first reviews started coming out. There's this big story, crazy story twist you don't want to know about. And I'm not going to spoil it here. But it's not that interesting of a story twist. And it's actually been done in other Disney movies before. And that's kind of like the most unique thing about the movie. And it's something you've seen before. It's not like anything, I don't know. Well, I'm going to go see it with the crazy, crazy surround sound thing that they're doing. Oh, the Atmos thing? Yeah. Very cool. No, yeah. and like, it's a super pretty movie from a technical perspective. It's a it's Pixar fantastic. movie. It's fantastic. Um, and I, like, after the movie today, I spent an hour listening to a podcast from, like, one of their technical directors just talking about how they did the hair, mm -hmm. and how, like, that that just drove them crazy, because the main character, Marita, she's got, like, this huge, giant poof of red curly hair, mm -hmm. and how they had to rewrite, like, they were talking about their gravity simulations yeah. uh, for their rendering stuff. They had to create kind of, like, a 75% gravity situation around her head, oh, yeah, so just her hair would work. behave correctly. <laughs> Because the way they had written how the software for her curls, if it reacted to normal gravity, it just looked weird. Mm -hmm. So, like, at all times, like, her, actually, her hair, her head exists in this, like, slightly zero, zero G bubble. Nice. And all this other stuff, they're talking about how this, this whole scene where uh, Marita's in the river, and she's in an iridescent dress, and her dress is getting wet, and, and her hair gets partially wet, and that was a nightmare where they had to create a whole new head thing where her, her head's kind of wet and water's dripping off, and it's just, mm -hmm. like... You know, while you're watching the movie, you don't think about it. But, like, from a technical point of view, yeah. it's crazy. But movie that's magic. That speaks to how kind of boring the movie is, that the most interesting part about it is the technical stuff. Because the story's not... That's not bad. It's not a bad movie. I'm really it's curious no to see... It's no How to Train Your Dragons or even, uh... What's Breakfast of Kells? Secret of Kells? Secret, Secret of Kells. Don't tell me the story of Secret of Kells is better than Brave. Because Secret of Kells barely had a story. Yep. Now, I'm not saying it's wow. better, but it's about See, on I'm really curious to see how I feel about it as opposed to you. Because I, I, I think my tolerance for an the, interest in... Yeah. The most unique thing about um, Breakfast of Chan... What are we talking about? Brave? Yes. Is not any particular character or story point. It's the focus of the movie is about the main character, Meridia, and her relationship with her mom. Hmm. And that is the whole focus of the movie. And that that is something you don't see, whether it's kids' cartoons or anything, you don't see that yeah. being a, That is the most unique thing about it. But then half the movie kind of gets away from that, where it, technically it's about this relationship with their mom, but it turns into this weird kind of... You'll see it, and you'll... It's... I don't know. It kind of loses the plot there, literally. I but. am so not... This movie is so not on my radar that I can't be anything but delighted by it. Yeah. Because I'm just bigger... It's got a short uh, that before it that's directed by Enrico Casarosa. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, he draw good. What did he, he drew the airplane stuff, MIA. Mm -hmm. He's fucking good. I mean, I, good. I met him a bunch of times on the convention circuit. Well, we worked on Flight together, the yeah. Flight Comics Anthology and stuff. Man, Enrico's a fucking fantastic guy. Yeah, and he wrote and directed uh, La Luna, the short before uh, Brave. It was very cute. Yeah. 
All right, friends, that's Bill hating that's on it? everything. <laughs> what else happened? That was it. That was um, it. We're going to take a little break, and we'll come back for the Geek Week interview. I, I get to you while you're trying to wrap this up, because you have no... That's right. You I have to go to the bathroom. Can we stop recording so I can go to the bathroom? Poop Rise Kingdom. <laughs> stop recording. Elijah was a wooden Indian standing by the door. He fell in love with an Indian maid over in the antique store. Elijah just stood there and never let it show. So she could never answer yes or no. Okay, we're back now. Right, I feel like urgent about things. Hey, the bubble. What's, what do you, what's on your mind? Man, Andy had the most adorable astronaut. Man, applesauce. It's astronaut applesauce. Yeah, so one That's thing. It's a little packet. Yeah, yeah, they make little, like, Capri Sun sort of packets for applesauce. It's nowadays. called bunny fruits. I got a picture of apple called. on here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! Great. I wish they made that one that was like twice that size though, because it's like a single serving in applesauce. This seems like it's for little kids. Well, it is for babies, but I'm an babies. adult and I want double. You get two, duct tape them together. <laughs> there we go. Call it good. It's a good idea. Anyway, Man. we're gonna go on to the Geek Week and review. Kids' snack products are the best. That's right. So what I do in this week. Um, speaking of Cora, apparently they have just those poor guys. So they had barely finished. Like, uh, like they're working on winding down production for the first season, and they did just finished s- writing the f- second season. Yeah, did you see they just uh, put out a big uh, Q&A thing tonight, too? A video yeah. Q&A thing? It's pretty great. But, uh, yeah, I guess it sounds like yeah, they literally just stopped writing, started... Uh, oh, literally just finished writing the second season, like, within the last week or two. Yeah. It's a fucking crazy schedule. Cause they, Those cause poor guys. I, at the same time, they said they just finished editing the last episode, like, earlier this week, yeah, too. Like, so they literally. were finishing... Yeah. Editing the last season while finishing writing the second season. Animation and, takes a long time. They got to get on this. Well, shit. the weird thing too is when talking about a third season, that's just been very much like, well, Legend of Korra, it's going to be one and two seasons. Dude, they don't and have a very green non-committal vote. But it's they weird. can't say anything if but they now, don't. If but it's this, not real, this is the first time they've actually come out and said we do have stories that would take place. Yes. for the second season. They said they have, but they, they have planned. They they if they were asked, they could do more. But I'm surprised. Like usually in that kind of situation, like usually creators would be like, well, if we get enough. If this show's popular enough, we'll get a third season or something like that. There will at least be some kind of just saying what's going on. If it's just been like, we are working on a second season. And just that's it. Which has been kind of weird. It could have been coached to say something like that. Or something, who knows. I'm just saying. Yeah. So I assume for the whole time, the whole season was, the whole show was designed for two seasons in mind. Sounds like it may not be that way. So it's kind of a weird way to write a story, though. Because, like, the first Avatar show was so tailored for those three seasons. Yeah. That it's weird to see them kind of, like, not knowing if they're going to get a third season. That That's the only thing that sounds kind of weird. Because you think that would be... I don't know. It's the vagaries of animation, my friend. Because the show's already blown up from being a miniseries into a two-season show. Yeah. And now it's kind of like, maybe they'll get a third season, maybe yeah. not kind of thing. It's kind of weird to see how that show the show kind of evolved that way. I don't yeah. know. I'm okay if each season is a really compact little, st- like, self-contained story. Oh, well, that almost seems like the best way to do it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm totally fine with it's that. It's three arcs rather than one whole yeah. story that's told over three smart. I'm totally yeah. cool with that. And then with the, the overall overarching theme being Korra's journey. As yeah. As it, could, it could be all thrown together eventually, but. Yeah. I'm down with that shit. It would um, even be actually it'd be kind of cool if it's like Cora like growing like even like getting older and shit. Uh-huh. Like maybe she's still not fully. She raising Lynn's babies. Yes, Bill. Lynn babies. I went to a fandom place. Anyway, Cora, Cora, Cora. We love Cora. There was a teaser or a trailer for Monsters University this week. What do you think? The Monsters Inc. prequel. Um, I don't Did know. Did you think cute. it was racist against round people? <laughs> That's right. I was offended. I thought it was really cute. 
I'm kind of curious about this being a prequel. Like, where's the heart in that show, movie going to be? Because so much of the whole point of the first movie was Boo. Yeah. Yeah. And there's got to be something like that in this in the prequel for it to have that same kind of heart. Yeah. I'm wondering what that device is going to be. Not to say it has to be exactly like they find another human kid or something like that, but that was the best part of Monsters Incorporated. Well, I would presume that it would be maybe these two guys going from being um, antagonists to bros. That's true, too, yeah. Because it could be the heart of it could be their friendship. They're, in, yeah, it's themselves. Yeah, That's right. Because yeah. Monsters Incorporated, they're clearly bros, bros, bros. And this could be about the arc of their relationship. That's true, too. Friendship. Yeah. There we go, Bill. Wow, that's it. There's not enough. Boom. No, yeah, um, that kind of sucks too because like this is this is this is kind of alarming. Kind of like the s- starting to see the slow descent of Pixar a little bit in terms of quality, where it's like they did Cars and Cars Two and they were fucking terrible. They had Brave, which is good, but nah. Well, it's interesting because on the other hand of that is it's gotten to the point now where I just take Pixar for granted. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, look. It's I another... feel like I have taken them for granted now too, because now they're starting to put out stuff that isn't automatically fantastic. It's like they're just they're gonna do another heartwarming, beautiful, well rendered, like a technically amazing film. And like Monsters Incorporated, though, like, do we need another story? Like, I don't know. I mean, they've been pretty good about, for the most part, about we'll do another story if we have another story to tell. Yeah. So we'll see. Like Cars two, they desperately needed wherever it happened james bond story i know yeah that that was a story just aching to come out yeah i was at the gym and there was like a cars tv special on the television <laughs> you just ran out of the gym all the way home like forrest gump <laughs> no thank you uh, you vowed like, never to get into another car for the rest of your life that's right that's it oh, anyway um uh apparently there's gonna be a sesame street movie tell us about it i i did not read that article <laughs> it is just reading this off my list it's going to be the first one in 13 years since the Elmo movie. Elmo and Grouchland? Which makes Elmo and Grouchland the episode one of Sesame Street movies. <laughs> I hope we get a Red Letter Media Mr. Plankett video about it. Oh, uh, no. They, like, they just, yeah, they just kind of, there are no details. They just said, eh, uh, Children's Television Workshop is actually overseeing production of this. So at least you know people involved in the show are going to be. That's not just like Michael Bay. Mouth full of peanut butter talking on the podcast, you bitch. No, no, no. Hey, listeners, home. Bill has no respect for you. Chew it on his candy bar. Oh, no. You know what? I'm going to move on to the next point. I, got I can talk about it. Because you have a mouthful of peanut butter chocolate. So I'm excited. Two trailers, this TV uh, movie trailers this week that I actually I did get excited you. about. The Dread trailer? Oh, the Dread trailer? That looked fantastic. That looked terrible in a great way, See, though. See, yeah. I, was I feel like our friend Brenna was time. all like, she liked Prometheus, and she got, you know, she got to watch her her movie Prometheus get the shit kicked out of it online forever, and then she was like, man, this Judge Dread, she's a huge Judge Dread fan. Yeah, Brenna loves Judge Dread. And then, so she's like, man, here's another movie that I'm going to love that everyone's just going to shit on forever. Yeah. It is exhausting when you love something and everyone else just shits on it. Yeah. Between Prometheus and Mass Effect 3, I kind of wanted to leave the internet this year. Yeah. Because these are just things that I enjoy. And you know what I don't enjoy? Hearing how much you hate it. It's fine. I love Taylor Lautner and people keep on making fun of him. <laughs> anyway, no, the Dread trailer looks great. Mama pictures are the Dread trailer looks great. Where I'm everyone's so... addicted to a drug called Slow Mo. Man, did you? It, it's it's Elena Hetty with really awesome scar makeup. Scar stuff. 
Looks rad. Oh, then the helmets for Judge Dredd from like they look too big. They look, look kind of. They like, always look. It too looks big. like an like late eighties, early nineties action movie. That's what I'm digging, man. Like, yes. That's what it should well, that's be. That's what I said. It looks like it should be like a Kuroko movie or like and it's you gonna know. be R rated. Why is that a? That that's be, awesome. I almost wish that was a Paul Verhoeven movie because you should <laughs> you know, know that. that's what I meant to add to this list. Did you just see that Paul Verhoeven is gonna make his Jesus Christ movie? What? Paul Verhoeven apparently wrote a book. About how Jesus Christ... I saw something Christ... about that. I thought that was somebody had fucked with his Wikipedia article no. to say that. Here, I'm going to find it. Oh, my God. Is he actually religious now? Did he, like, I have reform? no idea. Oh. When you find religious literature on the bus, what do you do? <coughs> I don't... <coughs> I've never found religious you take literature it? on the bus. Oh, no. really? I'm always finding religious no. literature. I think someone's following me around. Or preceding me. I've got a goblin who poops uh, religious literature. And I was on the bus today to go see Prometheus. Someone had barf all over the back end of the bus like not just like in a corner but someone had sprayed it i don't want to know about it i don't want to know about it i'm just saying i'm gonna start a band called barf arc it was it was like painted the window it was on the windows anyway you have not lived until you got into a bus and seen someone's half digested lunch drying on a window the whole paul verhoeven thing is that jesus was not the son of god he was just basically a politician that's what it boils down to he's a really good politician that's all it boils down to was he dealing slow mo? <laughs> anyway, Judge Dredd, moral <laughs> story, excited. It's I want to see it. It's Bones from uh, Star Trek. That's right. Um, also, man, you know what? He was also what in uh, uh, Lord of the Rings. What the fuck was he? Oh yeah, he was Duty uh, Duders. Um, uh, uh, dead dude, wasn't he? He was uh, the dude who dies. Yeah, he writer's Rohan Rohan guy, not Faramir. Like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Firmer. When I went to go see Brave today, Firmer. you know, they had a whole bunch of trailers. The one trailer that got the most reaction from all the little kids in the audience was the fucking Hobbit trailer. Really? When the, when the dwarves are singing and shit, and they're yeah. all, like, super sad and mysterious, and it's like, <laughs> the kids are like, yeah! <laughs> and, like, yeah, the, one, the one dwarf, he's got, like, this weird, like, this Nepalese, like, hat with the ear sticking out, and people are like, kids were fucking dying for that shit. And it's a moment, I'm like, kids, Wreck-It Ralph thing. Yeah. Like, it's funny because the adults seem to react more to that than the kids. Of course. But the kids having a meltdown and just seeing all the dwarves and the little hobbit just made me laugh so much because they were like, ah, yeah! yeah. And yeah, I guess, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was going to move on to another subject. Oh, you done? And well, they got really happy when Gandalf shows up. So I guess these kids, aside from just thinking the dwarves were funny, it must have seen yeah. Lord of the Rings before because when Gandalf showed up, they were like, oh! Dude, it's been like ten years, hasn't it? Yeah, it was like them seeing Obi Wan Kenobi again. On yeah, it was like I was like, man. I mean, I don't realize for some kids out there that like like the Hobbit, Lord of the Rings shit, the movie version is like their Star Wars. I guess for yeah. some kids out there, some weird age group. Yeah. Or maybe this is one weird retarded JJR Tolkien <laughs> like special ed class like that got taken. JJR Tolkien. What's his name? Which is like George R. R. Martin. <laughs> And and, and Tolkien killed off a lot of guys too. Anyway, um, the other trailer that came out this week, the other trailer that came out this week that I oh god, I'm drunk. What was um uh, this? Oh, you put stuff in here. Can I? Can I? Can I? Oh, I realized you edited it. Is it my turn? Well, I let me move. What's just that's what I'm about to talk about, Bill. If you let me talk, I'll talk about it. Trying to wash peanut butter out of my mouth. Are you done? Yes. (laughs) 
there's a trailer out for this movie called Celeste and Jesse Forever, mm-hmm. which looks great. It's a romantic comedy starring and, and co-written by Rashida Jones oh. and Andy Samberg, who I usually have a very low tolerance for. He's in a Dracula movie this fall. <laughs> so, I will talk about that later. So, um, anyway, it's, it's a rom-com um, about they are, um, uh, That's... fuck you, let me finish, motherfucker. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> okay, so Rashida Jones and Andy Samberg were married. They're oh. divorced. They're still best friends. That's pretty much the premise of the movie. It's about them and navigating their relationship. It's like a goofy looking couple. It, well, they have a lot of chemistry. Even in this trailer, I'm like, I will go see this movie. Is it he the Jewy looking guy? No, he's got like he's got the curly he's... hair and everything. I would never. I would not. I don't know, man. I don't know how to react. Well, react he is Samberg, I guess. Yeah, that wasn't supposed to be a racist remark. He's, it's just there's he with Justin Timberlake put his dick in a box. Okay, well, yeah, that's all I think. That's okay, him. yeah. My mom has a crush on him, which is the first time in my life that I looked at my which mother one? like, "What is wrong with you, Andy, Andy Samberg? Samberg?" Wow. I don't. I don't. I'm not. He's too much of a mook for me. But anyway. Um, uh, but yeah, it looks great. I love romantic comedies, and they're so terrible, and they're they're never any good. And this one actually looks good. What'd you think of uh, You Got Mail? I can barely remember You Got Mail. That's the only I, romantic actually, I remember comedy I know. In the time at the theater, you were going meh, like tiny <laughs> little. You're not a fan of Nora Ephron. <sighs> How is it she never called an Nora Ephron com? <laughs> this was always marketing for the world. <laughs> Anyway, especially when she wrote a movie about email. Any any of you friends who are listening that are also hopeless, hopeless romantics, look up this Celeste and Jesse Forever trailer. It's really cute. When's that cute. come out? The uh, film. I want to say pretty soon. It looks it, in the next six months. I want to say it looks really great. It totally took me by surprise. I love Rashida Jones, and it looks like just like a kind of funny but understated little thing, and it looks really nicely filmed. I really was impressed. Okay. No, I hadn't heard nothing about that. I hadn't either until I saw this trailer. It was really good. Maybe because when I'm looking for Rashida Jones information, not, I'm just looking for headlines that's, looking for, that say for, brown girl. For Photoshop of her and Amy Poehler doing it. <laughs> that's all you're looking that's for. the subtext to the show! <laughs> anyway, what else is going on oh this week, Oh my though? god! Man, reading Rainbow came back. Uh, as everyone knows that at home, if you grew up in the 80s, reading Rainbow was this fucked up kind of crack Rainbow. that was made with Fruity Pebbles rolled into the crack. It's the FBI put it back on the streets because they were like, we didn't kill enough black people with that last round of crack. Bill, you don't hear the, you don't read the pamphlets I read on the bus, the crazy Bill, people bring pamphlets. It, let's bring it all back here, Bill. No, no, no. Read back Rainbow. Away from your joke and talk about reading Rainbow. <laughs> joke that the charming sense. TV show with Lavar Burton. Uh, reading Rainbow. It's got too many here, R's I'll take in it. Over. Reading, reading Rainbow, Rainbow was a charming PBS show in the late eighties and Did you early nineties. Yes, I watched. I grew up on Reading Rainbow. Did you remember to Petey Plains episode? I was trying to explain that episode to Josh, and he was looking at me like I was fucking crazy. Mostly because I just went out and said, do you remember to Petey Plains episode? <laughs> and that is word salad. That doesn't mean anything to anybody in the world. <laughs> On the was it to Pete? No, to PT Plane. There's an episode of Reading Rainbow, which for some reason always stuck in my head. It's James Earl Jones reading the story about this African hunter on the savannah. Oh, on, I do remember onto this. Onto PT Plane, the rain falls mainly on the plane and to PT Plane. That was really. I'm no. This is not me trying to be a black joke. thing. This is me trying to be the guy who voices Darth Vader. <laughs> and making it making it my fair lady joke. What? Wait, what? The rain, the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plane. Oh. Oh. We'll have to put a link to that on the thing. What? We are, 
podcast has to be totally incomprehensible <laughs> in some parts. Go read it, read it, now. It came back this week as an iPad app put together by LeVar Burton. I don't know if he coded it or anything like that. It doesn't work on my iPad, so I'm never going to find out. But it's cool. I love. I didn't know what it was. All, all LeVar Burton kept on saying was like, Reading Rainbow is coming back. It's going to be on the iPad. I can't tell you what it's about. So he just launched it just out of the blue like on Wednesday. It's uh, what it is. You pay 10 bucks a month to let your kid read as many kids' books as, as he or she wants. Uh, they're only allowed to check out uh, so many books at a time, just like if you're, the kids were getting books from a real library, which is kind of nice of to read what they have before they try to get more books, which I wish Kindle had that. <laughs> like any other kind <laughs> of like... And true. <laughs> um, and they have to return uh, the books to get a new book. And uh, the... the, the I, it worked well enough on my iPad just to figure out the basic interface. It is very cool. You get to, like, log in. Your kid gets to, you know, create his own little profile and his little avatar. Aww. And he gets a backpack. That's where you put all the books into it. And the Aww. backpack is only so big. It can only hold up, like, four or five books at a time. Aww. So that's the idea. When you're finished with a book, you have to return it. But that's it's so all cute. digital scanned versions of, like, older kids' books. It's not necessarily even books that are, like, huh. Some of the books seem to do have uh, digital content that are des- designed for the iPad, where it's sure. like crazy games and stuff like that. I'm sure they can only are... afford to do so much of that, though. So, yeah. But there seems to be a shitload of books, and a lot of these books are older books That's that great. no one would ever read unless they were you know, like it's 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 a great way for these older authors and older uh, kids' books to get a foot in digital space and get That's that nice. kind of traction. Hmm. And with kid, a lot of kids learning to read on the, their iPads and yeah. on their parents' iPads, this is a great thing to have. And 10 yeah. bucks a month for unlimited books for your kids. I have a four-year-old in my life that I'd get that for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 10 bucks a month this might sound a little bit expensive, but like for unlimited it's, it's books for your kids? For yeah. That yeah. was like, shit, man, I would do that for myself and work for, for my iPad. That's right. Yeah, fuck Kindle. It's super cute, and it's got the soundtrack and everything. Like, oh, and Lavar Burns all over there. Like, hey man, what's up? There's all kinds of video. I'm like, Lavar Burns on my iPad. Is it he hosts it. Still hosting it. They oh. they do their best to kind of take the TV show and make it an iPad. That's great app. It's just really it's charmingly designed. That's it's, it's wonderful. Just if you have a first generation iPad, though, you might as well. well, that's the kind of story of everything with a first generation iPad now is like more and more stuff all the time is coming out that barely works. That's true it. with all Apple products, though. What? If you don't have the most recent Apple product, you're fucked. What? Huh? <laughs> anyway, huh? that's that's the one good thing that happened this week. One bad thing that happened is they canceled the Saints Row the third that's no, expansion. They didn't cancel it. They said. Come here, Saints Row DLC. We're gonna give you juice box and make you bigger and put you out on your own to kill everyone else. Yes. So the thing is, is that the they had announced, and this is kind of interesting because people don't do honest to fuck expansion packs anymore. Yeah. So they announced that they were gonna do a an expansion pack for Saints Row the Third. It was gonna be kind of a standalone thing, and it was gonna be um, uh, Enter the Dominatrix, or it was like this whole digital version of Steelport. Um, so you've got all these superpowers and all these other things, and it's so basically like a hyper-real version of that world. And I was really excited about it, because as we talked about at length, Saints Row the Third is a great game, and I'm actually super emotionally attached to my character, Boss. That story is actually pretty great, and yeah. I really wanted to go and noodle in that world and be with <clears> that character again. Well, THQ is having a lot of shake-up right now, and part of that is, um, basically the new president of THQ looked at this and said, this is really great. Why isn't this just in the next game? Yeah, and the game is old enough now. Like, yeah, the, I would assume the new game will probably come out sometime next year. It seems like right at well, the cusp where... Yeah. He has said that it's it's going to launch in 2013. Yeah. He said that as part of the thing. So you're going to so make gonna all that effort. the fourth. Yeah. I, but I'm just sad, because I, I, I need to have a snack in between meals. Mostly I was just excited because it was actually a video game that was coming out in 2012. Burp. Because what the fuck else do I have to play? Man, well, that's what... 
You know what I did this week? I got drunk and I played the dig. That's where I am right oh, how'd now. How'd that go? The dig is great. I love the dig. Did you play the whole thing? Oh no, I just started to play. Is it a lengthy game? Well, you know, it's an early adventure game. I bet you it's probably about six hours total. Okay, yeah. If I sunk my teeth into it. Mostly I just totally immediately got sentimental. Uh-huh. I think I still have the book. I think I still have the novelization of The Dig sitting around. Uh-huh. I have the novelization of that and Gabriel Knight's and the father. Did that come out like early 90s? Uh, you, don't, you don't know the backstory behind <clears throat> The Dig, do you? No. The Dig is a story by Steven Spielberg. He wanted to, he was going to do it as part of a TV show, anthology TV show he was working on. It was like world. Amazing stories? Amazing stories. He wanted to do an amazing stories. It was going to cost too much. Because it's about an asteroid that's going to smash into the Earth. So a team of astronauts goes up to strategically fire explosives to um, uh, reroute its course. But when they're on this asteroid, they find the remnants of a forgotten alien or of an alien civilization. And um, uh, Steven Spielberg wanted to do it as uh, uh, Amazing Stories. And then he wanted to do it as a movie, but it would just cost too much. Yeah. So um, it was <clears throat> notable because it was actually um, Industrial Light and Magic did a lot of the, did some CG for it too. Oh, okay. So it's, it's and it has, um, so it's a Steven Spielberg idea. ILM did the visual stuff. Jesus. But it went through like four iterations. Like it was in development for a long time. And like four different teams laid hands on it before it was finally released. Yeah. So it's interesting to play because it even feels like remnants like a, like there are bits of it missing um uh like the, actually the novelization that i have has four main characters on the cover even though there are only three in the game because they cut fourth character oh um it's uh you uh, is that on steam it is it's on steam it's on on steam for mac this is which is why i was playing it yeah i was just getting drunk and going boston low boston low is voiced by uh, what's his name oh uh, so it's all fully voiced it's, and everything it's, so, so it's a later oh, yeah. generation it's like 96 oh okay for some reason i thought that was like early 90s i thought it was all just purely Maybe text no 90- voice oh god almost no, no music okay, or anything Bill, early 90s games on the pc you did have like monkey island was like 91 89 huh um uh, i yeah this is i never yeah the dig is good it is a really good score like a really good score. Michael Land knew his shit. 1995. But uh, I, it's like five bucks on Steam. It's, it's, have to check that out. it's pretty clunky. Right, I've got a thousand other adventure games on how, Steam that I've bought and downloaded and I haven't touched, but that sounds very cool. I forgot how kind of clunky the intro is because it's like this team of scientists that are set up there includes a journalist who's also like a nuclear scientist. What? It's great. Aww. I love the dig. I forgot that um, uh, Boston Lowe is voiced by it was a, the, the hero. Of the game is voiced by Robert Patrick. I'm like, oh, Robert. Not a voice actor. I forgot that I wanted to have. Uh, I wanted to name get a bulldog and name it Boston Low because I love Boston Low. You still got the rest of your life to do he's that. Re- the reason why you can't do it. He's got the Reed Richards yeah. thing going on. What I I remember at the time being so excited by the dig because the intro and everything and some of the important cutscenes are like actually like pseudo animated. Yeah. As opposed to just, like, little sprites. It was, like, full screen sort of shit. Yeah. And it's... I remember being so impressed and excited by that. It is not age well. <laughs> it is exactly that thing you would have in early 90s video games where very clearly it's animated by people who may be trained in animation, but they're, like, not really... Yeah. They're moving yeah. stuff around, but it's not, like... Yeah. It doesn't have real character. Yeah, you just posted a screenshot of it online this week. And I'm like, oh, that's very cute, but... Yeah. yeah I'm gonna have to check that out. Man, well, that's... I'm kind of like, man. Well, then again, that game is fucked up. I forgot about some of the themes in that game. It's about death might, and resurrection. I might actually man. throw down a couple bucks to check that out. 
It's some good shit. Because, like, that seems to be a big seminal game for you. And it seems like playing it's, that would be a big... It was, it's a really good Or, game. you know, we've been always been talking about doing the game trade between me and you. Where, like, well, I, we talked, one, game. Of the, one of the things we talked about on this podcast, because I was like, Bill, we need, like, actual structure. We can't just riff every week. She said 33 weeks later. Um, 35 anyway, weeks later. Excusez-moi. Yeah. But yeah, one of the things was like, well, we can do a game exchange. We, we can I still will do pay, that play one of your old games. You'll play one of my old games, and we'll talk we about it. We trade, like, six-hour games. I don't want to play your games. Well... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to fucking play Castlevania, or Metroid, or any of <laughs> that shit. You want to play Mega Man too? No. Oh god, Battle of Olympus. I think I may have actually played that one. Was that a Sega Genesis game? No, it couldn't no, have been. No, it was a Nintendo. Kid. It was a uh, Zelda Two clone with, with a Greek mythology layered on top of it. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a six hour, like, like relatively short, like, um, like I'm trying to think of anything like you would like I could assign to you that could easily be found, easily be played, you know, without having to get you like an N64 or something like that. It's called ROMs. I would ne- I've never played ROMs or any sort well, of ROMs. It's called the internet. What if I just give you uh, Star Wars Episode One Pod Racer? <laughs> Come on, you can just fake your way through <laughs> It'll that. It'll just be us for the rest, like the podcast for the rest of the year, <laughs> just us talking about Pod Racer. Yeah, oh, I know. But seriously, I would play the dig sometime. I'm serious. The dig. Yeah. I don't. It's it was really. Good. And then we could have a dig podcast. It's one of those things where you don't. It just it just totally it's like you're hits trying you right. to make this not happen. The thing about LucasArts games is that they're all kind of goofy. Like to some degree, there's always an element of humor and fancy to yeah. them. The dig does not have it. Who was there? Any major known creative force behind the dig? There were a bunch of them. Like actually, uh, I forgot that Orson Scott like Ron... Card wrote some of the um, dialogue. For oh, okay. Game. The but dude... it's not like Ron Gilbert. Gil- well, Ron Gilbert or anything. There are a couple of dudes. You. This is not. This is not notable to you. Yeah. But the dude who fought, was on, like the fourth creative team to work on it was headed by Brian Moriarty. Mm. Brian Moriarty did Loom at LucasArts. Okay. Loom, you would, of all the LucasArts video games, you would actually probably most like Loom, which is one of my least favorite. Why? Loom is actually the all of wrappings. The, you play all of the um uh all the puzzles are solved with music. That sounds nice. So you are I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with that. Well, it's just I did. It's it's the world is kind of neat and fantastical. Um, you can actually buy Loom on on Steam too, but um, do they have any games where like all the puzzles are solved with nudity? <laughs> tits, tits, <laughs> tits. No, Loom Loom came out. In, I want like, a game that's just like you have to judge cup sizes with like this like actual like motion controller thing. Yeah, in in Loom you you cast magic by um, composing music. That just wasn't interesting to you? The story's not interesting? I think that gameplay is just inherently not terribly interesting to me. Man, we could do a whole Adventure Games podcast. Jesus. There were, you you could flip out. I was going to say, because you have not played any of these oh, games. Oh, well, I forgot. You played Monkey Island on we, Xbox we, and iPad, and that's about it. Yeah. You know, we brought you, you like, I forgot that you brought this up, but Steve Purcell co-wrote and uh, co-directed Brave. Yeah. Yeah, Steve Purcell being the creator of Sam and Max. Yeah, there's one. He was moment... also an animator at LucasArts. Yeah, there's only one moment in the whole film that kind of has a, has a Steve Purcell vibe to it, and you'll see it and you'll figure out what it is. But it's like, man, I was kind of bummed that like his one time like doing a Pixar thing kind of wound up being in such kind of like a kind of movie. He he was hired by Pixar to draw cars. I'm really sure he's excited not to be drawing cars anymore. Yeah. Oh. At least that's what I assume because in all of his comics, his cars were pretty great. He very clearly. No, I looked. Cars. Well, I looked him up on Wikipedia. That's what he yeah. was cars, tired cars, on for cars, car cars, stuff. Cars, 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 Jesus cars. Christ. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, uh, so I'm in summation. Back to the point. I'm sad <laughs> about Saints Row the Fourth. 
Um, I'm just excited that Saints Row 4 is happening. So we had talked about this briefly, that the new president of THQ had said something that you could perceive as being disparaging of yeah. Saints Row the Third, and how, yes, it's embarrassing. People lost their shit. Well, no, uh, this week, the, the this guy, this new president, I can't remember his name, like Ruben, he, used to, he was one of the founders of Naughty Dog. He actually posted to his Twitter page just a picture, and the text was like, who looks embarrassed? And it's actually a picture of him with the purple dong baseball bat in their office. <laughs> it's the guy who made these comments? Yeah. He's oh, like, do I look oh, embarrassed? Oh, he said something about Naughty Dog, and I'm like, what, Naughty Dog? He was, a, he was a, one of the founders of Naughty Dog. He oh, but now he's actually the head of he's THQ. He's now the president of THQ. Oh, okay, that's right. That. Okay, so that guy's but got yeah, a sense of humor. Yes, yeah. he does. He God just, bless him. Hopefully he just didn't take that picture in front of his kids, which that was the whole <laughs> issue to begin with. So the other thing that's happening this, this I week, know this breaks your heart. Uh, Matt Groening is, uh, Groening, excuse me, is uh, ending life in hell. Which, uh, who gives a shit? weekly comic. Who gives a shit? But that's still, that's an old enough comic. It's a pretty big deal. For, for Life in Hell, we wouldn't have The Simpsons. Hasn't he been doing that for like 25? Oh, like 35 years. 35 years? Yeah. I mean, he's been doing, well, I think since 1977. I mean, if you've ever read a free weekly newspaper in this country, yeah. like it, like Life in Hell's always been a staple in the back. And it's been funny, you know, Jeff Nackbar and stuff like that. But it's not like... 1977. Jesus I, Christ. You know, everyone's lamenting the passing of Life in Hell, but I don't know anyone who's actually read an, uh, a, like a Life in Hell comic in the last five years. Well, that's one of the reasons why he's ending it, is that it's like, they're talking about... There's actually a really interesting article that's about the... Um, just the money involved in doing comics and alt weeklies because no one publishes them anymore. Like at mm. its height, they said it, like he claimed it was two fifty. His syndicate said like three fifty. And it's not like and you right can now put that it's like online 26, and get money. Twenty six. Yeah. Twenty six. He should start weeklies. a Kickstarter. <laughs> Fun my life. I'll do the video. Uh, anyway, um, the other <laughs> nerd thing this week is um, uh, so Penny Arcades their Lookouts comic book is coming out in July. Yeah, I forgot that. Uh, uh, Mike had said something that like there was a Lookouts project going on, mm-hmm. and I guess this turned out to be a comic book being produced by I forgot the name of the comic company. It's no one I've heard of before. Oh, it's it's it like was, Cryptozoic. Yeah, that's Zoic, what it was. Cryptozoic, excuse me, who did their card games? Oh, is that what it is? This is not a comic book company. Oh, okay. And so yeah, it's it's being written and drawn by guys from that card company. Yeah. And it sounds like Mike and Jerry have uh, input into the story, but they're not, like, hands-on. They, like, they drew the first cover and stuff, but well, the whole it's point... like they came up with the basic idea and this card company's running with it. The whole point with those three projects, Lookouts, Automata, and the other one about yeah. the kid in space, was that they would do them, and then they would see what interest there was, and they'd spin them in other things. Yeah. So, like, Automata, they gave to the other people and did comics, and I think it's gonna be something else, and Lookouts is gonna be this, and then the kid in space is gonna be a fucking movie. Is it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it got an option to be a movie. It may be in development hell. In Europe, there's a movie called Automata, which is about pretty much the same thing that strip was. Oh, really? And, like, the Penny Arcade guys have been like, hmm, that's <laughs> interesting. That has only been announced since that strip came out. Yeah. And so, yeah. Interessante. Anyway, uh, the other thing, this just came out today. Valve is doing something Team Fortress 2 related with Adult Swim. That no specifics have come out? Everyone's just assuming that what's going to happen is that, uh, Valve is going to do Team Fortress uh, style. Well, meet the dot 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 style shorts for uh, Adult, Adult Swim. Swim. Yeah, I, which I'm down for. Although I think like when they first started uh, the marketing for uh, Team Fortress Two, it was like you know we're going to do a meet the dot 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 character here. Yeah. Short, and they were going to do one for each of the nine characters. Yeah. And I think that game's been out for like six years now, and they yeah. still haven't done. There's one or two characters they Pyro. still not have. Yeah, exactly. Pyro is. The and last so one. it seems like they should finish that up before they start like. Doing any, I, who knows if this is actually what it is, 
But yeah, it's funny that they still haven't even finished that phase of this project yet. I enjoy that the uh, Adult Swim is somehow still able to do weird shit. I don't yeah. know how they do it. They never, not, they never shit. got so big that like they got crushed by yeah. like uh, corporate bullshit They're like, by your, hey, bureaucracy. Let's do a weird Scott Pilgrim short. Is there you still? Know? They did a Scott. Oh, I forgot they did do. Yeah. Was it with the voice cast of the movie? Yeah, it was Michael Sarah and what's her name who was a uh, Katara and is uh, the. Oh, she, she's known to be a voice actress. Yeah, so, yeah. And uh, well, yeah, no, I mean they'll just do weird shit. Like they did a great, they did Maybe. a weird animated short no. for um and her and <laughs> her her. I no, saw somebody did... was like on uh, somebody had posted a picture of Katara online somewhere, <laughs> and, said, and the only her? comments were her. <laughs> like, <laughs> Get it? Bill and I are making a, a Arrested Development joke. Anyway, yeah. Um, no, but uh, they they did a weird, cool animated short for the release of uh, Assassin's Creed. Like they'll just do weird shit. It's kind of cool. Like they'll just make weird animated. Is that shorts. where also uh, the Venture Brothers gets aired? Is that Adult Swim? Stuff? That is Adult Swim. I need to start the, watching the Brad Neely TV show, China, Illinois. Is that still going on? Yeah. Well, I don't have cable, so I didn't get to see any of the shit. Either. Um, is Archer still on? Yeah, Archer I need to watch that because had... the main voice actor on Bob's Burgers is Archer, and I need to go back because I love Bob's Burgers. John H. Benjamin is on a shit ton of cartoon shows. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, he was on um, uh, uh, home movies. He was on a uh, shit ton of other things. He's I think funny. he did some bit parts in a uh, fucking C Lab twenty twenty one. Oh, that show was. I loved C Lab. You shut your fucking horn. No, that show was great. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, I only um, saw like half a dozen episodes, but the half a dozen I episodes I saw were fucking ridiculous. Archer. Yeah. Archer is my favorite. I am so glad this whole adult, like sparsely animated adult cartoon thing happened just for Archer. Yeah, it's yep. on Netflix. There's no reason I didn't. You made me watch a couple episodes. I thought it was cute, but it's one of those things I just haven't gone back to. Yet. I love Archer. Anyway, what's the last news. item for the week? Well, you, we've got some other things. Dr. Stylus. So Okami is getting a $20 high-definition PlayStation Network release on all PlayStation Oh, wait, how did we start? Wait, how did we skip that? I went not in sequence, motherfucker. Oh. Yeah, Okami. Did you care about Okami? So was Okami the one about the dog? The Japanese wolf goddess, Amaraturazu. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. The best Zelda game that's not a Zelda game. It's getting an HD remake for the PlayStation 3 for 20 bucks. Yeah, it's going to be uh, yeah on PSN download. That's it. Oh, that seems interesting. I've never played Okami. I have a commented for the DS. I still haven't touched that yet. Uh, but yeah, I keep on hearing. Uh, JoJo, he bought the PlayStation 2 version. Watching him play looked amazing. Yeah. So I can imagine what that... Just, even from the gameplay, the graphics on the thing should be pretty nice. Even if even if it is just a PS2 game being up Yeah. It should still be pretty fucking... Fucking awesome. Yeah, there's no, what else is coming out this fall? Because like we were saying, you know what? Like, Nintendo uh, announced... I love it at E3. Nintendo didn't announce jack shit. And randomly yesterday, they they had a, a, a conference in Japan about the uh, DS where they just announced a new 3DS XL. Uh-huh. They announced that, uh, like, Paper Mario, Luigi's Mansion, and the new... Uh, Professor Layton are all come out in the States before the end of the year, too. Yeah. That's actually some of the more interesting video game news coming out this fall than anything else. Yeah. And, like, it's not like those games are going to be particularly amazing. Paper Mario looks very cute. But b- b- just by virtue of the fact that nothing else is coming out. Man, I wish... I still wish that Bi- uh, Bioshock was still coming out this fall. Yeah. Because they would have owned the whole fucking fall. They would have. But... Yeah, I don't know. I forgot that The Amazing Spider-Man comes out next week. Yeah. Apparently oh, yeah. it's really mediocre. 
That looks bad. <laughs> All I care about is Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone, and apparently they're the best person. He thing. looks cute. He looks great. Man, that lizard monster looks like something from, like... He looks like Who a... Who gives a shit about any Spider-Man villain? That looks like some, no some Land of the Lost bullshit. This just looks boring. I just want to go see that Andrew That actor Garfield. is not interesting. I will say this. It's when I went Sheen to go and see... and what's her face is... Uh... I know, and, and what's her Sally That's great casting, yeah. Oh, well, apparently the casting is great and the story just is kind of blah. Mm-hmm. I, however, I will say this. When I went to go see... I, I, I love Spider-Man. Um, when I'd seen all these trailers, I was really nonplussed. I don't... I did not enjoy 500 Days of Summer, so Mark Webb being involved didn't really get yeah. me excited. But when I saw that trailer for... I'd seen this trailer before, but when I saw that trailer in IMAX 3D... Uh-huh. I was actually excited about it. Oh, that so if made you go me see it, you'll go see it like that. I will go see it on the stupid giant screen in 3D. The I CG stuff with Spider-Man himself looks a lot better than the uh, Sam Raimi stuff. Yeah. Granted, it's 10 years later. The CGI is going to look better, but it doesn't look quite so cartoony yeah. as it did in the Sam Raimi movies, but... I'm excited. So I guess they're set... Well, I guess shouldn't talk spoilers, because spoilers about the very end of the movie already come out about what the hell, what they're setting up for the sequel, but... I could... I just... All I want... All I, every, all I want from Spider-Man... Is the the things between the characters? I like those the 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 um, strain between those the characters. I find that very interesting. I find that much more interesting than any of the fighting. That is why I don't like Miles Morales. I feel like such a douchebag that I am the only person who does not like Miles Morales just because I'm not interested in about the tr- struggles of a thirteen year old boy. Like, oh no, how's he gonna go math class? Oh no. Well, this one actually takes place in high school, right? Yeah. I think so. Because Andrew Garfield is a 34-year-old man. <laughs> anyway, um, I forgot that's coming out. Isn't he also English? I'm going to see that. Andrew Garfield. The Dark Knight, I think, I comes out not too long after so. that, too. Yeah, it's funny. There are movies coming out. They're totally not on my radar. The other thing that's happening next week that I'm excited well, the about. Avengers, it feels like the summer's already kind of over. It kind of began The Avengers is barely on my radar, so that I... was I, good. I don't... I did, don't. Wait, did you see the Avengers? I did. What'd you think? Did I we talk it. about We that? talked about it. We did. Oh my god! I liked it. Yeah, it was, it was cute. fine. Um, so uh, it's no Moonrise Kingdom. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it just like I enjoyed all the Marvel movies. Yeah. I think it's a good time. I forgot that Spider Man's Marvel, and this is technically another Marvel. movie. Well, did you hear how they wanted to kind of tie them together? Because it's tricky. Because Spider Man is Sony. Is, yeah, Sony, and the and, and now like Disney is involved. It's, yeah, like, not very complicated. Two mo- like monolithic giant companies. Yeah. yeah. Apparently what they wanted to do was they were going to put the Oscorp building in the Avengers movie in, in New York. Oh. So it wasn't, they weren't going to be in it, but But it just enough to, yeah. And it'd be, I would like to see if they could manage to mesh a little yeah, bit, the, just because uh, Spider-Man's relationship with Avengers is very interesting. Yeah. Because Spider-Man is ultimately a loner. That's how you do, that's how you, that, 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 that would be the cherry on top of the Avengers team would be having yeah. Spider-Man running around. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Especially Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man and Emma Stone as Gwen I don't know, Nathan Fillion as Spider-Man. Oh, she's a forty-five-year-old Nathan Fillion. <laughs> he can anyway, do it, man. He can do it. Next week, next he's week, friends with Josh Whedon. Next week, uh, oh. finally, the the um, Mass Effect uh, extended uh, director's cut ending. Man, next week's podcast is gonna be us flipping out about. It's gonna be the core Mass Effect DLC <laughs> podcast. Yeah, I am. My wife has been hounding me for when we were gonna play, replay Mass Effect Three. Why do you want to replay it? Because Mass Effect... Oh, well, Effect... so I you want to replay it. But wait, did you want to fix any like anything that happened to your story in the first playthrough or anything? Mass or you Effect... just want to play it again? Mass Effect is my favorite game series. Okay. Well, I don't know. Like, I had the problem where in Liara... I actually well, cheated were... in Liara. Yeah, we talked about there's some bugs in your relationship with Liara. And that yeah. was one thing. I want to replay it with my Shepherd's face. 
but I also genuinely just, those characters are some of my favorite characters, and that world is one of my favorite worlds, and I want to go back to it. Mm-hmm. And But what what makes me really sad is the whole thing like with Harry Potter. It's like, I don't want to go back to these things because I'm sad that they're over. Yeah. Like, I just, my my wife has been like, when are we going to replay Mass Effect 3? When are we going to be, and I can't, and I, it has been too fresh. I couldn't, like, I just finished mourning the loss of this world and these characters, because I know there will be sequels and blah, 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 but it's not Garrus and Liara and Harriet Shepard and their adventures together, yeah. and it's 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 going to be really hard for me to replay it. I'm getting emotional just thinking about it. I love these people so much. They're my favorite people. So And in the revised ending, you get to see Garrus go, oh no, what is that? A cardboard cutout. <laughs> right a, before they cut to the After Effects explosion. It's a gig and a half, man. What are they going to do? Um, is that going to be all video stuff? It's it's all... I mean, because Jennifer Hale has said she was not called in recording. A month ago, she was interviewed. She could have been lying out of rasp, but she said a month ago that, like, Bioware hasn't even been in touch with me. I've just heard through the internet grapevine that people aren't happy with the ending. Uh, well, so they've said that they're not... Shepard's not... Like, they didn't bring Ed the Shepard back to do anything, which Shepard's makes sense because he's dead, but he Shepard's or she... Dead. Ed, She's dead. Um, yeah, they've said that it's it's not a different ending. It's just an extended ending. I'm curious to see Well, it. by extended, I'm assuming that at least, bare minimum, they have to show you what happens to your squad yes. mates that you, that, that you took with you on Earth. Yeah. Well, when you see, they, they released the whole trailer. Or, like, the, I didn't see the video, but um, they released this picture. Oh, And it's your they? whole squad. It's your whole squad standing behind Shepard. So the implication there is... already happened on... An epilogue. See, this is my thing. I see that whole march to the final battle as the epilogue to my... But, yeah. Oh, no, but they still... When when that laser attacks and your teammates disappear for no reason... Yes. They gotta fix you, that. I will give that. You that was broken. They gotta do something. Even if it's just a radio chatter going, Oh, no. Garrus just picked up a gun and shot himself and had sex with Tolly. Bill... Tolly shot herself. That sucks. At least you know what happens to yeah. him. Bill, Bill is bitching about how he doesn't want to have to repay that final battle. That ba- last battle. That bad. last battle was a bitch, but that last battle was so satisfying as playing as biotic. Because mm-hmm. my thing was, like, when all those goddamn, what are the brutes, like the, the Turian Krogan yeah. mutants drop into the field, there are like five of them. And those bitches are bitches. But to See, I had a problem with those guys. I had a problem with the Asari, the mutant Asari See, I know chicks. The banshee. Who scream at you and like warp yeah, at you? Yeah, it's biotic. Oh, man. Because with the, my favorite moment in all the game, the one moment where I felt like I was Commander Shepard in this blaze of glory <laughs> was when those fucking like uh. mutants are there. And I'm just like, what? I can't remember what the biotic power is. Is it slam? Where you you like yeah. fast teleport from one point to the other. Slam into them, knock them back, then melee them, and then pick the next one and just pinball from one to the other to the other. Yeah. Like, oh, it was like, like in the, in the movie of my mind, it's just like such a ridiculously badass thing that even in the heat of battle, like, like all the other warriors still just in, in awe of this badass, oh, like, you know, like, yeah. The Hans Zimmer oh, music kicks in. Yes. God damn Mass Effect. Oh, I'm crying. the last save? Him. The game saves right before you go to, like, you, you're going to have to play the last hour of that game to see that ending, right? I, I can't remember when the last save is. Because when the save, I think when you end the game and they kick you back after your last available save, it is before you go to Earth. I, I think, think so. it's, it's That's that point when you're at the yeah. map and you still have the choice to go anywhere else. Yeah, I yeah, think so. Yeah, so it's not even like it's you're going to pick up right before... You're absolutely yeah. correct because I remember I was like, as soon as we finished the game and we finished crying, we're like, okay, well, let's pick another one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, boot it up. It is that whole battle. And I was like, nope. Um, yeah. Put it down. Yeah. Um, man, Mass Effect. Uh... We'll talk about it next week for that. That's right. Sure. 
I'll be cr actually probably I will not have anything to say because I will be replaying the whole game. I'm gonna replay the whole game. I'm gonna download that file and I'm gonna replay the whole. I'm game. a third about I'm about a third of the way through my replay of trying to fix things with Tali. Now I'm tempted, man, but that's still like twenty hours I have to play between now and Tuesday. Yep. And I got shit to do. I got <laughs> Nintendo book to write. That's I got right. fucking maps to draw. That's right. I got masturbates to baits to. <laughs> got masters to bait. I got Moonrise Kingdoms to kingdoms. That's, that's not funny. I don't know. I don't know why I good. said that. I that's pushed it. Good. I'm disappointed. Uh. Anyway, everybody, this is the. Oh wait, Twitter feedback. So, um, our bro, good old Sid, good old Gorn Flakes, um, uh, pointed out. Bill asked for everyone's core feedback, and Sid piped up. I'm <laughs> not one. What your feedback is? Yeah, I'm not one for theories because I'm always wrong, which is pretty much my policy. Yeah. I would rather not hypothesize. No, it's not that. I don't get pleasure from sitting there going, "What if." Because I get more pleasure. I am a boring person. I want to know what happens. See, I like to think, try to think ahead of the curves on stories. Just because I'm a I can understand that, way. that. That's I can get that. That's where your pleasure lies. But then I'm, Annie had a stroke. My, your pleasure. Yeah, blah blah. But people won't take stop taking dumb anger shits over this show. The hatred around Cora. I don't get it. I guess I that's with so the extended much. fandom because I've seen people throwing fits, but it's the crazy dark recesses of the fandom. I don't go anywhere near. See, it's not even that. Like I have, I'm going to talk about it obliquely. Yeah. There's a person I follow on Twitter who hates Cora so much that I want to unfriend them on Twitter just because I'm Is like someone I, I know. I, I'm not gonna whoever it is I'm not following them because I haven't heard <laughs> what really and I just man I is don't is it Matt I know it's one of those things where it's like, <laughs> I enjoy Cora so much oh, we're gonna I'm talk about sad. this after the podcast <laughs> I'm just sad that you can't enjoy it why do they hate it? Cora I don't know I just they're anti-feminist well, they don't like brown there people there are very particular people who really loved the first show Oh, it's just one of those people abide. just because the show is not the first show. Because I guess I if know. you don't like Avatar or Korra in general, you don't like that show. No, you don't like are, how the there creators are a do things. lot of hardcore fans of the first series the, who hate the, this, Those are the people that mystify me. Not to say you're obligated yeah. to love the new show, because there's enough different. I could see it's why you not, yeah, would not get into show. it. But just loving the first show so much and then hating on the second show yeah. makes you a crazy person. <laughs> I just, for all its flaws, I love that, that chorus I do so think much. chorus so far is more flawed than the original show. I think this, this, this season has more obvious flaws. I think it's, as a whole, I think the season's got a stronger focus than the first season of Avatar The Last Airbender, but its pacing issues are a little more pronounced than the first season of Avatar The Last Airbender. Because at least Avatar The Last Airbender, no matter what the episodes were, they always did a good job of balancing everyone to make sure everyone had something to do in each episode. I have also had more people than I can count that have really tried to get to watch Avatar The Last Airbender who get five episodes in and then never continue. Man. Because that show takes a long to get time Dylan to power Katie up. Katie to watch that and Katie. I love Katie, but Katie's just like, she's just like, this is for fucking kids. <laughs> Katie's just like, I, her sister, she's not built to enjoy a kid's show, really. Or at least that kind of kid. I mean, Katie loves Harry Potter and stuff like that. It's not like she, but yeah, Avatar just did not click with her. And even though the rest, I felt so bad because the rest of the room, like we're rewatching that first season of Avatar and everyone's having a good time. Even if, you know, we're trying to get through those first half dozen junky That's episodes. That's what I felt with like the last episode, the last season of Doctor Who. I'm just like, I can't. Oh, that was a bad last season of Doctor Who though. That's that was I'm actively like, bad. Anyway, uh, Sid also said, also I watched Butch Cassidy for the first time Aww. and I watched it twice in a row. Yes. That is the correct response to Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. I saw the photo you posted of uh, the guys on the back of the horse. Uh, How about you, you, you're going to get that tattooed someday. So Probably Bill, that picture. Bill, Bill's alluding to the fact that I am uh, was a I obsessed with the Knights Templar. One of the main symbols of the Knights Templars are, are uh, one of their primary symbols is, is it? two riders on one horse. Yeah. It is meant to symbolize poverty and all this other stuff. 
Um, even though it's in direct violation well, of poverty. the laws of the Templar. Well, yeah. And tr- poverty and brotherhood and yeah. all this other stuff. And there is this scene in, in Butch Can't See and Sundance Kid. I would, that tattoo would have to be the size of my entire back to be legible for what it was. We're, we've talked about this before. If you were going to get a tattoo, where you would get it? Like the inside of your wrist, but that would hurt like balls. Tattoos hurt. And I'm, I'm a wuss who's afraid of needles. I'll never get a tattoo. End of story. I will get a if t-shirt. you were smart. <laughs> you were smart. Uh-huh. Who's the guy chasing them? The the man in the with the white hat. I can't remember his name. No, what you do? You have them jumping off the cliff right above your cleavage into your cleavage. (laughs) And then all this would be just around one boob. But I'm just saying. Hey everybody! This is but like if you got your bra and everything's back together, no one's gonna see it. Hey everybody! It's the Boy Howdy Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Boy Howdy Podcast, everybody. Um, next week we'll be guess what? Freaky about Legend of Korra, possibly for the last time. Either Who that or we're going to be saying fuck Legend of Korra we're never going to get into this shit again. <laughs> I man Legend of Korra. So Lin she Fei goes Fong. into Avatar state or she gets her powers taken away. What's going to happen? Which Man. I'm voting. I, I'm I'm serious. I think what's happened, she's going to get her powers taken away and uh, the next season is going to be called Book 2 Spirit and it's all out her. Mm. Uh, that would be interesting. Yeah. It'd be interesting. I was thinking about that. When Lin Bei Fung gets her power taken away. Foley and I had this whole conversation about um, if somehow during their journey they find a way to give people back their powers, but they have to give everyone back their powers. Yeah. So it's like then, then it's a, yeah, because Harlock gets his powers back and, you know. And you almost don't want people to get their powers back because that seems like it would be cheapening this whole device That's of what thing. he's doing. I feel very conflicted because it's like, it's such a neat, powerful thing. Yeah. To totally undermine. Yeah. Yeah. But on the, I don't know, man. Lin Bei Fong is my favorite character and I want her to be badass forever i mean you could have the thing that like if if amon really is a spirit he could be code the faceless or whatever and maybe he's taking away people's bending because they're abusing that power because that's not what the spirit's meant for that power to be used by maybe he like someone could judiciously give some people back their bending so what you're saying is you want a, a show where it's amon is actually judge dread or he's judge jury and execution. That could be, I'm not saying that's what I want, but that could be a day. Who knows? We'll, we'll, those questions probably won't even be answered with the finale. We'll have to wait until next season's finale to get, even get half of these answers. It would but... be cool if it were book two spirit. I will give you that. Because that is, that one is what I'm predicting. this show is not. And I don't think to its detriment. Granted, I will point out that I'm always the first person who goes, fantasy bullshit, man. But, but this show has really, this, the Korra really does just totally bypass the whole spiritual aspect of the Avatar world. Yeah. And it'd be interesting to have... And it's because it's an industrial city and there's not necessarily a place for that, but it'd be interesting to have the second season explicitly explore those themes. Yeah, especially with, like, all yeah, with the season being so much with modern-day stuff, the next season could still be modern-day stuff, but yeah. really digs into the, the, the spiritual side and if, if Mon's connected to that, explaining where Mon came from and how he yeah. did stuff. And, of course, going to be after... Especially if she doesn't... Ha- if she can't bend... But, like, she's trying to, like, somehow, like, explore the spirit world in yeah. order to get her bending back or trying to, like, sort herself out for a whole scene. That That's a whole new arc where it's not her just learning about bending, but just learning about spiritual shit, just getting her men- yeah. brain back together. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I don't know what you do for a third book after that. Well, it could be, like, trying to unite that lost spirit world and the industrial world book of three. Republic City. Shaving. <laughs> book three, grooming. Book three, menstruation. I don't even know what that joke is. You have to deal with physical stuff because you do a whole book about the spirit. Next one's the body, like, book book three, arthritis. (laughs) Anyway, everybody, this is the Boy Howdy Podcast. 
We're at Boy Howdy Podcast on Twitter. Or three stinky fits. We're boyhoudypodcast.com. You Book- can yell at us. We are howdy at boyhoudypodcast.com. Book three, lunch. Book three. It's all about food. Willy Wonka shows up. Suddenly he's like, because he would actually, if he showed up in that, and he could be just right in. Oh my God. No, in my fan fiction, um, Willy Wonka is Amon. And as you fuck up in Wonka Land, he kicks you he off. Kill, he takes your powers. <laughs> And then you have to become like the janitor. Paul's gonna eat too many cupcakes because he's gonna get sucked into a tube. <laughs> <laughs> I just love this alternate take of Willy Wonka, right? He meets the kids after they've been taken away by the by the Oompa Loompas. He I'm takes away those Mon, kids bending. I'm imagining Mon doing the whole like cane roll thing. <laughs> <laughs> talk about this on the podcast it was g uh, not gene ronberry's gene wilder's notes for the like the costuming oh yeah the for, letters uh, of well, note the, yeah letters of thing. note thing from g, uh, gene wilder's letter to the producers uh, where he had the most greatest insights into just like the smallest details of willy wonka's costuming yeah. which are really great character bit uh, character building suggestions just about like the sh- his shoes shouldn't match his shirt because that's Faye. what is classiest if the shoes match the hat yeah. And, like, he was like, you know what? A hat, like, this tall, that's cool. But what is badass is a hat that's three quarters of an inch shorter. Yeah. Just, like, these arbitrary things were, Very like, precise. You know, very he, accurate. He should have written that on uh, a, a letter that said from the desk of Willy Wonka. Because it was so kind of <laughs> arbitrarily, but, like, charming. I could see, like, it, like Gene Wilder was the real-life Willy Wonka. Jesus True Christ. Dad. So, yeah, Google letters of note Gene Wilder if you want a good laugh. That guy was smart as balls. And Gene Wilder was the one who came up with the whole cane thing. Yeah. That was his idea. Well, that was his thing like... is that yeah, in this letter of note, he says, I will only do this if when they first meet Wonka, he does this whole cane thing so that they never know going forward what he's telling the truth and what is Which that worked perfectly for the film, yeah. yeah. Beats the shit out of that Tim Burton bullshit. Anyway, friends, again, thank you for listening to the Boy Howdy Podcast. We'll be back next week to freak out about Legend of Korra and find out what other movies Bill doesn't like. Now we will demonstrate the orchestration of Mr. Desplat's musical suite. A little electronic metronome sets the time. First, a harp. Next, pizzicato cellos. Flute. And piccolo. Electric guitar. Ukulele. Classical guitar. Banjo. Then wood blocks. And P3 
pizzicato violins and double bass. Tubular bells. Glockenspiel. The ride symbol. Piatti. Snare drums. Grand Cassar. Timpani. Sixteen baritone bass singers. listening.